It's Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the number for you to call in and talk about whatever you want. It's up to you. It's a free talk. I mean, it's an uh, open phone show. Free Talk Live. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Lori. And Nikki. And for the first, at least, segment, I'm not going to be taking any other calls because I do have, um, normally we don't do guests on this show, but the show is um, an open phones call, and we have a guest named Mark Passio on to talk about his upcoming event. Mark, um, tell us a little bit bit about Two Masks, Same Face, the occult origins of Nazism and Communism. Well, I just want to say thank you for uh, letting me come onto the program and uh, help to promote the event. Uh, this is an event that uh, I have had planned uh, for maybe about five to six years. I've been working on researching uh, the content of this upcoming all-day presentation, and I'm finally going to be delivering the presentation uh, this Saturday, October 21st, uh, at uh, the Exton Hotel and Conference Center. The presentation is entitled Two Masks, Same Face, The Dark Occult Origins of Nazism and Communism. And it's going to be at the Exton Hotel and Conference Center in Exton, Pennsylvania. Uh, we uh, still have uh, invitations available for the event. Uh, it's a $60 private donation if you would like to attend in person. It is an in-person event not an online event, and it will not be streamed on the Internet. Uh, we will be recording it for later release. Uh, but um, um, you can still get invites at my website at whatonearthishappening.com, and you can also attend in person. Uh, uh, walk-ins are welcome in person on the day of the event because uh, invites are still available. So a lot of people might be confused or scoff at you if they hear you say, oh, the same force or religion or entity or group is behind Nazism and communism. Oh, those are totally different things. Uh, what do you say to those people? Uh, I say that they uh, significantly lack a whole lot of information that they have not been yet privy to, that they have not yet researched, that they have not discovered. Uh, I would say that they do not have the grammar in place for the discovery of uh, an accurate conclusion regarding that. Um, see, in, in the process of truth discovery, uh, there's, it's a three-step process. This is known historically as the trivium, and this is something that I teach in the body of my work at whatonearthishappening.com. Most people are operating without the very basic building blocks that they require to discover what is true or to be able to determine what is not true, what is false, what is misinformation. And basically, people don't have those building blocks of information. They have been either hidden from them or people in their ignorance and thinking that they currently know all the information that they need to know willfully ignore the information that is present uh, in their midst and do not gather that grammar, put it all together to be able to analyze it in the second step of the trivium process, and come to an accurate, logical understanding of what all of that information means, and then in the third step, actually take action based upon 
the truthfulness of the information that they have gathered and then weaned through and weeded out all of the logical inconsistencies of. So this is the true scientific methodology that almost everybody in the world, number one, doesn't know how it works. Number two, uh, doesn't have that process in hand and isn't actively using it in the course of their everyday lives to determine what's true or not. And quite frankly, it's what sets the body of my work significantly apart from other people's work. And people can scoff all that they want. You know, the truth remains the truth regardless of what anybody's personal opinions or perceptions of the truth happens to be. There is still an objective, discernible, knowable truth that exists independently of human perception. And that's a huge body of my work, that there is objective truth. You know, to think otherwise is to fall into the modern cult of postmodernism, which is actually a big part of what I'm going to be talking about on, on uh, Saturday, uh, because postmodernism plays into specifically the communist ideology. And, uh, of course, the Nazis were uh, an early advocate of it because they wanted to make truth whatever they said it was in their society. So I'm going to talk about the commonalities of both of these forms of totalitarianism. And really, the only thing that's truly different about the way that they went about implementing their totalitarian regime is whether they work within uh, uh, national religiosity within one country or whether they wanted to conquer social institutions and cultural institutions and spread in an international fashion. So I think national socialism did the, the former and international socialism or communism did the latter. I think that this work is great. And I, I wish that more people were coming at research from this perspective that you have. Um, because it seems like when people are kind of researching things or learning about things, they're almost blindly trusting the experts. Right. Mm -hmm. And I even yep. think that a lot of the times scientists and whoever people that are conducting their own research and, you know, doing their own case studies, a lot of it is um, just, like, confirming their own point. Like, it, it, yeah. it seems very rare that people are trying to get to the heart of the truth, the real truth, their own personal beliefs aside. And, and you know, it's a very difficult thing, right, because we all have our own biases. And, you know, if I'm trying to research something like, you kind of have that outcome that you want in the back of your head, right? And it's hard to get past that and just... Especially if you're thinking with emotions and... Yeah, um, which most people are, I'm assuming. Yep. Um, and, and you see that all the, time, all the time nowadays where you have like government-funded research and people are like, no, this is the science. And it's like, okay, but it's... That's not... Like, how do we know that that's the truth? And the then you have funded their research. Exactly. So like you have the people who clearly want a specific outcome funding the research or even doing the research. And to me, like it's it's difficult for me to trust that science. Um, but then if you you dig deeper into it, like a lot of the, you know, covid stuff and even what Mark is talking about here, if you try to dig deeper into it. You're a conspiracy theorist yeah. and, oh, you think you know more than doctors and you think you know more than scientists. This person has a doctorate. This person, you know, has way more experience than you. Like, how dare you question the narrative? Um, so you kind of get ostracized and shamed. But for me personally, the truth is more important than anyone's perception of me. Um, and I'm not willing to live a lie just to conform and just to like go along to get along with the rest of society 
um, that's not worth it for me. And I think the truth is more important than that. And like living an authentic life is more important than that. So I, I think this work is absolutely great. And I wish more people would come at research from this perspective. So, I think I think uh, most people are scared of having an internal awakening within themselves. They just want to be told what to think. And everyone around them needs to also think the same thing. So they surround themselves yeah. with everybody else in their little echo chambers. And if you dissent from it, blocked, unfriended, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Oh, yeah. We yeah. have wildly different views. And mm-hmm. instead of talking to each other and learning from each other, let's just shut each other out because it's scary. Yeah. And that's um, definitely coming from this idea Mark has that there is an objective reality that we can look at and learn what it is. And other people think, oh, I have my truth. You have your truth. We just can't uh, coexist because of the fact that my truth is different than your truth. When in reality, there should be everyone trying to get to the bottom of what the truth is independently from you mm-hmm. or anyone else. Um, so, Mark, why do you think it's important specifically for people to learn this truth now about Nazism and communism? Isn't that, you know, playing the devil's advocate, isn't that, you know, years ago? Well, the, I, I make the specific point in the presentation that this is all still actively occurring. Uh, we never ideologically defeated the underlying mindsets of uh, Nazism and communism. They're still very much present in the world today, and they work uh, through authoritarian institutions like government. You know, uh, one of the things that was just unpacked there in the discussion, and uh, very uh, profoundly and and correctly so, is the idea of people's confirmation bias. Uh, And imagine how much money is involved in that whole process of what we laughingly call science today, uh, to confirm the biases of these institutional bodies that act as authoritarians and uh, say that they have, uh, you know, uh, a stranglehold on what is true and what information is allowed to be put out there and even discussed. Um, You know, uh, it's not even just a psychological uh, confirmation bias. It's completely backed up by the amount of money that is used in, uh, you know, uh, government-related science all working on grant money. You know, I mean, just imagine how much people have invested there uh, where they don't want to put out anything that is uh, in opposition to the, the establishment narrative because they, then they can lose their entire livelihood. You know, and one of the things that I talk about is that, um, you know, we have to get past this idea of trying to think and reason with our emotions. That was also uh, discussed, uh, you know, previously. You know, this is the idea that uh, truth is somehow contingent upon how we feel about information. Our, Our feelings have zero to do with whether something is factually true or not. We cannot gauge the veracity of information upon how it makes us feel internally in our bodies or in our mindset. Uh, And part of becoming a mature, rational adult is trying to set aside those those feelings of being triggered, you know, of of having our worldview challenged and uh, really uh, making the, the true genuine effort to truly think and reason logically outside of our emotional reactions. It's actually one of the, the caveats or warnings that I give at the very beginning of this presentation, as I do most of my presentations, because I'm a very straight shooter. I, I don't 
mince my words. I, you know, I, I, I just say what I, what I feel. And I, I tell people, if you're offended by it, that isn't my problem. That's your problem. You know, so I have this sort of uh, little bit of a caustic approach to my presentations because I think the truth is caustic. The truth is just straight out there and in people's face. And if they cannot acknowledge it and admit it for what it is, that isn't the universe's problem. That isn't the truth's problem. That's their problem. And that's what they need to do work upon themselves to move past that mentation. But one of the things that I really think that triggers people and the people cannot cannot get past, they cannot accept, they won't look into on their own, they don't want to study, they don't want to research into it, is the entire world and realm of the occult, of occultism. And people get triggered by the very word occult. Well, you know, what, they, what is it? They're triggered by the word itself. What is it, Mark? And, and do you have any, like, how did you gain your knowledge about the occult? Is it firsthand knowledge? It is firsthand knowledge. I was actively involved in what I call dark occult organizations or dark occult societies. Uh, and, you know, that's, you know, many years in my past, decades into my past. Uh, I had to go through a long, dark night of the soul and a, uh, an intense crisis of conscience uh, in my youth, where once I really deeply realized at a fundamental level, these are people actively engaged in the enslavement of humankind. They want tyranny and enslavement. They want to be the masters of our world, and they want us to be their slaves. And that's ultimately what it boils down to. And they do this work through occultism through occult knowledge and the word occult should not be scoffed at it should not be looked at some quaint as some quaint religious notion nor should it be looked at as something that is to be so feared that we can't even talk about it or discuss it or research into it the word occult simply means hidden that's all it ever has meant that's all it means today that's all it will ever mean it means information or knowledge that is has not been readily accessible or widely available to the general public it is intended for specific initiated audiences it is intended for people who are on the inside for people who are on the outside of that those groups they are not to receive that knowledge it is to be left out of their their purview it is to be not looked into by them it's it's for certain people and it's not for other people at least that's the way that occultists have traditionally looked at occult knowledge it is hidden for a reason, because the people who are leveraging this knowledge against the people who are ignorant of it are doing so to try to form a power differential over the ignorant masses of humanity. And that's what occultism has been used to do. We have to stop looking at it in religious terms, and we have to start looking at it in terms that the truly seen, the occult really means deep ancient psychological knowledge of how the human psyche works and how the human psyche can be manipulated by those who know a, a huge amount about how it works versus those who know nothing about human psychology. So if you have a master psychologist who knows everything there is to know about psychology in every aspect, and then you have a person who knows nothing about how the mind works, certainly knows nothing about how they themselves work and how their own psyche works. 
And that master psychologist wants to do an absolute manipulation game, a, 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 conduct a manipulation program against somebody who knows nothing about how their own mind works. It would be child's play. It would be absolutely nothing for them to go off and do a number psychologically on that person if they had reasons to do so. That is how we have to look at occult knowledge. That's how we have to look at those who wield it. Occultists are people who have deep and ancient knowledge about how the mind works and the the average ignorant masses of humanity know nothing about how their own minds work and they could be easily manipulated and a power differential can be created over the ignorant by the occultists of the world like child's play it's 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 um uh, it's literally a child's game to them it's barely a challenge and i would say that is just a great pretty short uh, explanation of what the occult is because a lot of people when they hear this kind of talk they just think oh you're talking about quote-unquote the illuminati that's just yeah it sounds a little up. like woo woo to some people right right but if you explain it the way he did it's just knowledge about the self it's um ancient psychology then i think people might start to be able to open up to understand maybe there are things i don't understand other people understand it's not just like, oh, some witches in the forest are like putting spells on us. It's not just, oh, they're uh, pouring stuff out of, I, I believe they're doing something with chemtrails, but I don't know. Uh, I was going to say they're not just pouring some kind of dust on us and controlling us that way. It's it's a pretty easy to understand and to uh, recognize and see type of influence that someone could be putting on the masses. Yeah. And I think just in general, like in regards to everything, it is very naive to believe that like, oh, I I know all the answers. And I I don't know that that's just always been it it feels so naive to me. um, And to not at least open your mind to things that are hard to believe and listen to somebody else's experience. You are so far more likely to encounter occultists in Fortune 500 companies, government organizations, government-connected think tanks, financial institutions, medical institutions, law, science, technology, in every one of these institutional bodies than you are to find them in a a, a group of, uh, you know, crazy uh, acolyte, acolytes like going out in the middle of the woods and playing death metal and sacrificing animals. That, that's mm-hmm. not what the, the modern occult is. You know, th- this is Hollywoodized and religious interpretations of what occultism is. Occultism is deep ancient psychology combined with deep knowledge of how the laws of nature and the real laws of science really function in our reality. And that has been, has been hidden from the average person as a mechanism to control them. Our, once it is converted, uh, knowledge, once it is converted into the ability to take action, is then converted into power. So that knowledge is what is used as the power differential over people. And what I'm going to be explaining in this upcoming presentation on Saturday is all of the occult organizations that actually led to the formation of both Nazism and communism. And they share all common ideologies, 
Their ideologies are almost identical in what they believed, in how they viewed the world, and how they viewed people, and in what they ultimately wanted to do to, in their terms, in their mentation, to transform society. And this is not something of the past. This is not something that happened past tense and is, is gone forever. This is something that happened yet is continuing to occur. They are continuing to, to leverage this knowledge. They are continuing to create new organizations and ideologies by which they hold brawl over all of humanity. Uh, the occult mentalities uh, that led to the formation of both Nazism and communism were never defeated. They were never uprooted, they were never exposed, and they certainly were never defeated. Well, um, so people, they can go to whatonearthishappening.com and then go to the um, gift section and give a $60 private donation to uh, go to your event where you're going to be talking about this. But what else would you want them to know about your work? Just what on earth is happening in general? I would want them to understand that what I do differently than other researchers and presenters in this whole field of endeavor is I do not focus upon the 3D uh, everyday events that people see and respond to in a completely reactionary fashion. I set those things largely aside, and what I look at and what I explored is the deep and fundamental underlying psychological causes for the way that people behave. You will never, ever, ever change reality for the better by only focusing on the symptoms and the, the things that are already manifested because of the way people already have been thinking and continue to think. You will only ever change things for the better by getting down to the underlying root psychological causes of why people think and behave the way that they do. And reality has to be changed in the external domain, the, 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 the way that things play out in our everyday world, by changing the internal domain, the realm of human thought. Well, we're going and on to break. If you want break. to explore that, yeah, if you, you wanted check to... out what on earth is happening. Okay, um, if you wanted to stay on, you could. Um, we're just going to have a four-minute break. If you guys want to check out his website, it's whatonearthishappening.com. And that presentation sounds fascinating, and it's happening on October 21st in Exton, Pennsylvania, at the Exton Hotel. Um, more coming up, people. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by that treasury. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya Protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
It's Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Lori. And Nikki. And we were just having a really fascinating conversation with Mark Passio from whatonearthishappening.com. Unfortunately, he didn't have any more time, so we're going to be going on to you guys' calls. But if you have anything you want to talk to us about, anything he brought up, um, you can go ahead and do that. He was calling to promote his upcoming event on Saturday, and you can learn more about that at his website. But now we're going on to more calls from you, and it's um, we have Dave Ridley. So, Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, most people don't know who I am, so I guess I should call myself Dave in New Hampshire at least. <laughs> oh, did <laughs> I just Dave say from Dave? Ridley Report. Sorry. You said yeah, Dave Ridley. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, I don't I'm know, Dave. I think I think people know who you are. You're definitely a, a well, common enough caller, but yes, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. So, um, I, I was calling about something else, but yeah, with regard to your guest, you know, in a sense, like that call sort of represents in some ways what's great about the the free state movement is that you you've got a guy who's calling in complaining about the occult and maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. I don't know, but it's, he's calling into a show that has a co-host who's a Satanist, right? And he's still allowed through because we're supposed to have a big tent of free speech, right? Yeah. But um, I don't really think that the kind of Satanist Arya is into, which is like her religion is really the same thing as what he's talking about. And he gets all into it. If you go listen to his podcast on what on earth is happening.com and go to pod, uh, the podcast tab, it starts at podcast number one from 2010. And he just starts from the basics and builds you up. And he's basically putting you through like an occult initiation of your own Hmm. so you can just understand all the stuff that he's learned over the years. And um, he's not really just talking about like, oh, people like Arya who believe in the seven tenets of Satanism. Well, you know, know, I I do agree with the sentiment of Mm -hmm. what Dave is saying. Like, it doesn't matter what you believe in. Like, we all have different beliefs and a lot of our callers have different beliefs. Um, And we do like to be a platform for um, people of different opinions and, and whatnot and different beliefs. Um, free speech and then but I also wanted to make a point about like Satanism uh, Satanism is actually kind of I don't even want to call it like close but there I can draw a lot of similarities between a lot of what Mark Passio is talking about and Satanism because a lot of Satanism is about truth and freedom and like getting to the heart of what the real truth of nature and existences yeah especially Um, the the exoteric religion is like what is presented to the public that's what aria is you know when and i don't think mark usually uses the word satanist he's usually just saying the occult because it could be under any guys there are uh, occultists probably in your christian churches you know yeah probably and um absolutely what are they hiding at the vatican you know (laughs) yeah talk about a cult yeah (laughs) So, uh, Dave, um, yeah, that was that was one of the questions I was going to ask him if he had still been on is like what what his position was about Arya, you know, what she does, you know, being a Satanist, if he's against that or whatnot. But I only heard the last, you know, 10 minutes of his conversation. So you guys may have addressed that earlier. Um, well, I can't really answer that for him. So I, I don't think he uh, said anything about I mean, he didn't say anything about Arya. So. 
Yeah. Well, you know, we have a big tent, right? You go to Fort Porkfest, and there's not a, it's not exactly a large number of Satanists there, but there are Satanists at the same festival as evangelical Christians, and there's not right. a big problem. So that's an interesting, that's about as wide a divergence as you can, can get in my mind. Maybe there's wider ones out there, but uh, it proves that people can get along. Yeah, and actually Mark Passio was there, and so was Aria, so yep, it does prove yeah. that. Um, so you were so, calling, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was calling about, about Aaron Day's political candidacy, the candidacy which I, my, my look at your archives indicated you guys hadn't talked about him much recently, maybe since March, maybe I missed something, but, uh, he's a free stater. I think to my knowledge, he is the first free, free stater who's mounting a serious Republican candidacy for presidency. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I would bet it. I would bet that's true because I haven't really heard stories of anyone else doing it. Yeah, and I guess his big thing, he's trying to keep it pretty simple, and it's just two two things basically. He's focused on trying to stop central bank digital currencies by drawing attention to them. Right. And he's also attempting, he's kind of trying to take the Erica Chenoweth approach where she, she says if he can get 3% of a population to do a thing, then, then you, your movement is sort of guaranteed success. Yeah. Um, in his, in his case, it's donations. So he says, even if you just donate a dollar, like it helps him possibly get on the belt. Is that what you're talking about? No, everybody does that. Oh. Uh, what he's asking people to do is more edgy, and it's sort of like a he calls it a bank run, but oh. I think it's a little softer. It's a little softer than that. It's more like just getting people to gradually withdraw their money from banks and return it into cryptocurrency. So he's trying to get three percent of people to pull their money out of uh, banks, not on a particular day where it would cause a collapse or anything like that, uh, but just to get get them to pull their money out. Um, and, you know, I mean, I've pulled almost all my money out of my bank account many times, I think, already. So I'm sure it'll happen again sooner or later. Uh, but he's got he does have a, have a simple message, if that makes any sense. And he does have a track record of some success. Yeah. Um, the thing I really like about Aaron Day is every time I come or put like tweet on Twitter, um, something like no presidential candidate is here to save you. They're not. This isn't the solution. You know, he always says, I agree. By the way, I'm running for president because his whole thing is basically he's doing it for to bring attention to his ideas. Um, it's not like he necessarily thinks he's going to win. Um, it's more just that gives you a huge platform. As soon as you start running for president, uh, you can get people to interview you. And he has a lot of really interesting ideas. He has a book out. Um, I think it's probably just. Aaron Day 2024, something like that, his website. I could probably pull it up while I'm sitting here. Um, but have you read his book, Ridley? No, and I didn't even know he was running until today. I just I was listening to Porkfest speeches, and I just saw a speech from, you know, what, four or five months ago, or maybe three months ago, uh, where he, he gave a speech or something like that. And, oh, my gosh, I didn't, hadn't thought about this. So I, I guess I'll probably vote for him in the primary because uh, there's no pure libertarian running on the Republican ticket, no one even close to Ron Paul. Uh, so I think Aaron is probably what I'm stuck with, and that's probably not too bad. <laughs> he, he's, he's getting something else right, but I'm sorry, you were saying something? Uh, no, I think Nikki just laughed. No, yeah, it was just, it was funny, like, the way you phrased that. You're like, oh, this is, you know, the best we got. But I also appreciate how, you know, like, what Bonnie was saying, um, 
how Aaron would like how Bonnie's like, okay, yeah, no, no politician, no presidential candidate is going to save you. Like take responsibility for your own life. I like it when my friends that are either like running, you know, in any sort of election, either seriously or as a joke, I appreciate it when people can like put their ego aside and be like, yeah, you're totally right. Hmm, yeah. You know, like it, it's just it makes me respect them more because sometimes people like if they are maybe they've been a state rep, you know, for a while um, to not feel like attacked by a statement like that and to still be able to recognize that it is true, because I think that makes the difference between our state reps that are good and that are still like, you know, fully liberty leaning and like voting correctly. Uh, you know, in, in my opinion, of course, that's, you know, an opinion um, versus the people who are getting a little too into the politics and are like, well, you know, I can't vote for this because I yep. want to get reelected. Like they're they're getting sucked in. Yeah, yeah, they're getting sucked in to the game versus like keeping their principles and like, I don't care if I get reelected. Like, what is the point yeah. of getting reelected if I'm not actually going to make a difference and do what I believe in? And just vote no for everything that would cause people more money. And, um, you know, that's what they should be in there doing. If, if you're not voting to end the war on drugs, <laughs> Leah Cushman, you're not an actual like libertarian, <laughs> of, you know, pretending to be a Republican. Republican, you're just a Republican. And what's the point of like free staters putting everything behind someone like that? There's tons well, of other ones. I don't think um she claims to be a libertarian, right? She claims to be a free stater and a libertarian. Well, and she, she says has, she's like, a conservatarian, right? Okay, well that's not not even a word. So <laughs> well, annoying. that's like being a conservative, right? But that that's what I think. That's yeah. not what they no, I, think. Oh, I thought that was like how she describes herself as like well, a conservative. I've heard call herself a libertarian and a free no. stater. I think people are kind of confused about what. And exactly. you know what? Maybe there is you know a broad spectrum of what um, a libertarian is. But I think probably if you're a conservative, that if you're not is different. To end the war on drugs. I don't even think. Well, that's be that's a that's a very conservative stance, right? Exactly. Conservatives don't like drugs, right? And I don't think that, so that makes her makes libertarian you, at all. Yeah, it, I yeah, agree with it you. wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. So that, that those are different things. And I'm not just trying to make this all a conversation about how Leah Cushman is just a Republican and not a libertarian. Oh, there's plenty of state reps yeah. that are calling themselves free staters and libertarians that are conservatives. Yeah. Or voting conservatively. Right. You know, and I just I don't think like, oh, we I'm going to I should move to a state in in the north where basically it just ends up being exactly like Texas or Alabama because, well, we just thought, well, the right is better than the left. How about neither? And if you get in office, use that as an opportunity to get rid of the system as much as possible from the inside. That's what Mar- or Jay Noon was going to run or was running on, but he didn't win his um, election. What do you think, Ridley? Do you think that that's the main well, purpose of a uh, running for, you know, any kind of office? Well, uh, first, I should clarify. I don't mean to be, be dismissive of his candidacy. Um, it's it's not, it's not that there's anything wrong with him. It's just it's sad for me that this is not as big a deal as the Ron Paul candidacy, right? Because oh, Ron yeah. Paul, you know, was was came in second in New Hampshire primary, right? And we we I don't think we're I'm not looking at I don't think we're going to get a result like that for Aaron Day. It's just not as big a campaign, but um, he he is a, he is successful in a couple of other ways, and that is like first of all, he's the one that knocked Kelly Ayotte out of the her Senate seat because she was too authoritarian, and he ran against her as a spoiler wow. um, on the Libertarian Party ticket. That's nice. She's like a cop lover. 
Yeah, I think that was useful. Um, and uh, it really, I think it got the GOP's attention. They were losing their mind over what he did. Wow. Um, so I, I think that probably has, you know, it's been a reminder to them that they can't ignore the liberty vote and just throw an authoritarian candidate at us. Um, the other thing that he's hitting, where he's hitting on a good cylinder, I think, is he, he has this concept that you've got to strike the root of a problem, you know, just go to the, go to the root, go to the heart of the problem. And I don't know if he's got the right, I don't know if he's picking the, picking the right root of the problem. Uh, but just, just by focusing on the central bank, digital currencies, that's probably good um, that, that he's, that he's got, he's, at least he, at least he has a plan and a solution and a suggested course of action. He's hitting on quite a few cylinders there. So that's, that's what I like about it. So I found his website. It's day, his last name, day 2024.com and his little um insignia thing here it's a heart and the outside of it says bank run now the inside says halt cbdc stop world war three and the fed so those are some pretty good you know roots to strike at i'd say yeah, his belief is that if you uh, stop the, the the CBDC, you we will stop a lot of fighting. I don't know exactly how that works, but it's basically you know it, it is, CBDCs make it too easy for the government to create money and control people. He did write a book about it, so if you go to day twenty twenty four dot com, you might be able to find his book. Ian read it and found it, um, you know, really fascinating, and I think it's called the Bank Run Manifesto as well. Um, anything else, Ridley? Well, you know, there's, I guess another thing, like if we were to assume that he's not a very strong candidate, then that means that every vote for him is actually more powerful. Like if you vote for the, you know, the, the number two candidate or something like that, your vote is just lost in a sea of votes. But if you vote for someone who's only going to get 6% in the primary or 10% in the primary, that actually your vote, your vote goes, goes further. I just, you know, I, I don't like the idea of waiting around for someone to be Ron Paul before voting for yeah. him. At least, hmm. I think this, I think I'm just glad we've got a Liberty candidate I can vote for in the GOP primary. Yeah, and not you know feel like guilty about it, right? Because that's a lot of the reason why I don't vote, especially in the presidential candidate, their presidential election. I mean, uh, is because it's like, well, what's the point? I hate both of these people, so it's nice that there is somebody you can vote for. That it's like, yeah. You know, I I agree with the majority of what he's saying. And if, you know, if he was the president of the United States, he might actually make a significant difference or at least try to. Right. Instead of choosing between this guy wants to put these people in a cage. This yeah. guy wants to put those people in a cage. Which yeah. one do I pick? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I also <laughs> like how you said, Dave, like because everybody's like, oh, if you vote for a third party candidate, I don't want to say everybody like but. You know, the majority of people, you know, like, you know, people I know, a lot of like the status would be like, oh, well, if you vote for a third party candidate, that's a wasted vote. You either have to vote for scumbag A or scumbag B or else your vote is wasted. I love reframing it as, well, if you don't vote for those, like, it's almost a wasted vote if you vote for one of those people, because really, like, does your vote matter in a sea of millions of votes right hundreds of millions of votes i mean probably not all those people who are saying well i have to vote for a or b because otherwise it's wasted if they voted for c maybe it wouldn't be wasted anymore yeah in their opinion yeah. maybe it would actually make a difference yeah if people actually How grew up here and did what they actually believed what in they we would, do. we how, would live in a, 
a different place instead of voting for the lesser of two evils. Or the one that has a chance to win. I always found that was so weird. Yeah. It's like, wouldn't they have Says a chance who, right? to win if you, more people voted for them? Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Um, my adult, like, 50-year-old boss, when I was 20, the first year I was able to vote... Uh, told me that I was a ch- I was acting like a child if I didn't vote for Donald Trump in Utah. Where and the it was shaming, obviously work. Yeah. like what's up with the shaming too? There's so much shaming. We're like, if you don't vote, you can't complain. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, <laughs> I can vote and complain. I cannot vote and complain. Right. I'm probably not going like, to vote this year, honestly. But like, back I'm then, not registered anymore. But in 2016, I wanted to vote for Gary Johnson. And I don't know why I had shared that with like my bosses. And seriously, I was like, I was actually like bullied by these people, like these grown adults. Yeah, especially like, like a lot of like of the boomer generation. It's like, right. how dare you even defy. This is Gen X, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I like from my experience, like a lot, it seems like a lot of like the older generations are like, you can't do anything Outside differently the norm, yeah. yeah it's like how dare you even like this is this is how it is and like who are you to think that you have are allowed to have control of your life it's really cringy especially when they're gonna die sooner and i don't know i just i always think it's weird like one day i knocked on the door of a lady in maine when i was trying to get people to vote for some candidate for young americans for liberty this was in 2020 and this woman her answer i had to ask them like what's the most important uh topic or whatever like that you're worried about this election season like and there was a list of things like i don't know taxes raising up and and things like that and she said honey my i don't care about that stuff at all anymore because i'm just old now I think it's up to the younger people to figure out these problems, and I'm not going to be here very much longer, so I don't think it should be up to me. And I was just like, kind of true. Yeah, yeah, but that's all kinda the people based. that are making the laws. And, yeah, and I wish everybody everything. in, uh, you know, all the elderly people in Congress or right. whatever, I wish they thought that way too. Right. Me too. Instead of living in 60 years ago when they were relevant, relevant, <laughs> and they're bringing all of that into now. Like, none, none mm. you're... Your outlook isn't relevant anymore. Yeah, the, the Babylon Bee or like fake news network uh, made a post that was like family deciding whether to put grandfather on hospice or have him run for Senate. Oh, my. God. And that was like probably the most accurate thing I've ever heard. And it's not like I think we should decide those people's lives. None of us here think that. I just yeah. want to be clear for yeah. the radio listeners. We should be running older people's lives. What we really want is for us to all be running our own lives and... It's just kind of a funny thought when you think about a lot of older people trying to tell younger people how to vote. And, um, you know, basically that is trying to run other people's lives, which is why I don't think any of us on the show do it. Um, Well, at least I don't in the national election. I I vote in the local election because it's something that seems more like you could change things. And actual libertarians run as Republicans in New Hampshire, which is why Aaron Day is here he came here for the free state project and he's actually running for president and you can check out more about him at day2024.com anything else for us ridley well if you think about it you know if you vote for a candidate and they win you become responsible for everything they do and you'll have to live it down for the rest of your life (laughs) i don't really think so do you yeah, I think so. I, I've voted for bad candidates in the in the past, and I feel ashamed for it to this day. I mean, uh, I I feel b- bad sometimes when I think about the fact I voted for Trump, pa- pos- or 
partially because of the fact I was literally bullied into it with the stuff I was just explaining. And also I was like kind of tricked. I started seeing all the stuff about how bad Hillary is. And like if if Trump doesn't uh, win, then, you know, the country is going to be like Sharia yeah, law. Yeah, the, the fear mongering. I mean, martial law is what I would say. Yeah. Um, just all this crazy stuff. Um, so I ended up voting for Trump. But I don't feel responsible for everything he ever did because human beings are responsible for everything they do. You know, I don't... Yeah. I also don't love that, like, guilt. I I think it's important, you know, on, like, an emotional and a spiritual level to, like, release a lot of, like, self-guilt of, like, anything, even if it was your fault of things in the past. And also, like, releasing responsibility of other people's actions. You know what I mean? Like, I disagree. Sorry. She was shaking her head. I just don't think that anyone's vote actually matters. Whoever they want to be the president is going to be the president. So don't feel bad about it. That is a good point. (laughs) I I think that most of the time that it doesn't actually matter and that they just choose a president um, based on whoever they whoever they draw out of a hat or whatever. And that's why I just can't possibly. (laughs) Me and Stu call it WWE. What's on the season of WWE? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, because none of it's real. It really looks like one of those guys. Like you'd be like an old guy, you know? Yeah, that like Russell, be super WrestleMania fake. or yeah. whatever. It's I think like, he did that. Before. We have a uh, Donald Trump versus Hulk Hogan. Right. Yeah. I think he did do that before. Actually, it's starting to sound familiar. Like he did one of those really fake wrestling things, and he, he just looks like one of those guys. But um, most of the time, that's what I think that. Like whenever people try to say Trump is obviously like trying to save the country because look, they didn't want him. They the media was against him. They didn't want him. I think that that's just kind of what, quote unquote, they want you to believe. And for whatever reason, he served a purpose to them. And, and he was the one that they chose. Like, I don't think he was like some kind of really good president. And we we were like lucky to not have Hillary. I think that they chose him. And it, it's all just some kind of kind of like a ritual game. I yeah, don't know. It's predetermined. You know, yeah. I, I believe that as well. I mean, either way, maybe maybe your vote matters. Maybe it doesn't. I the mean, me- the it, media is against all of them, depending on which media you read, because it's yeah. WWE and it's like yeah. the faces and the heels and, mm-hmm. you know, which team are you voting for? That is a good point. Um, some, you know, like in Christian uh, TV, it was all like God is telling me and he told me in a dream last night that we have to vote for Trump. Like, I'm not even joking. Like on God TV, that's a real channel. That's is that it's really called God TV? Yeah, I thought you were just calling it that. No, it's there is a channel called God TV, but I I don't think we have that up here. (laughs) Um, I don't. I never had. I mean, I haven't had cable for a while. This is like something that you could get anywhere. It has. Oh really? um, Okay. The Seven Hundred Club. It's these like old people. One of them died last year, and uh, they they give like the news. Well, there's there's just like all kinds of televangelists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On on this channel, but it's not just God TV either. You have to vote for Donald Trump. Yes, God told me Jesus Christ came to me last night and and said to vote for Donald Trump. Buy a MAGA hat. They will really say (laughs) stuff like, um, God wants to help the United States, but we have to keep praying, and we have to keep praying for Donald Trump to win because bad things are going to happen if Hillary wins. I'm not not even joking at all. Um, It's terrible. So, like, yeah, what you said, depending on what media you're looking at, it's not just, Even God TV is political. I mean, like, this is... You would think that religion would be not political. Which was oh. a, a thing. Religi- right? Religion's totally political. Yeah. Well, They're the first politics that you learn as a little kid. Actually, yeah, that's a great point. I agree that it is political whether they want to say it is or not. But when I was a kid, it was so much um, more of a faux pas or whatever for a 
preacher to talk about who you should vote for. And and I was talking about this with a friend in Keene who is Christian, and he said ever since Trump, it was the first time when it was just like, oh, we're going to tell, like, talk about Yeah, it seems inappropriate. Politics. It, it is inappropriate. I you never know, like, heard that in church um, yeah. growing up. Um, you know, you need to vote for George Bush. But I didn't hear also, that. Also, you weren't supposed to talk about who you were voting for at Thanksgiving. Hmm. You know, and now it's like your Facebook profile. You know what I mean? So yeah, things, things have, have changed a little, a little bit. Yeah. Civil warish. What do you think? 603-283-6160. Did God tell you to vote for Trump? 603-283-6160. It's free talk live. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our lives. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Talk live, talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Lori. And Nikki. And we have some callers online, so I'm going to go straight into the callers. Um, Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, uh, this is Zephan. Oh, hey, Zephan. Hey, Zephan, what's up? Uh, Not much. Um, I just... I'm calling to talk about uh, over the past couple weeks, uh, it seems like everyone's been uh, focusing on all of the negative stuff that's yeah. being done by uh, governments in uh, Israel and, and the Middle East and all of that. Um, so I wanted to t- talk about something positive that's being done uh, at this time, um, which is there's this really cool project called Crypto Aid Israel. Um, it's, it's a nonprofit um, that allows for uh, people that are crypto enthusiasts to uh, not use the U.S. dollar um, to uh, donate to people that are in need of it. Um, so 100% of the proceeds go to support uh, rebuilding um, South Israel that has been destroyed by uh, bombs and such, aids for the uh, aid for the families killed um, and captured and um, aid for the families of soldiers and first responders. So um, it's just a way for you to um, use non-murder uh, dollars that basically fueled this whole thing. I mean, like right. the whole thing is re- really mm-hmm. boils down to the military industrial complex making a uh, making a quick buck. That's that's what it always comes down to. Um, so you, you can opt out of that while also directly um, helping people. Because I, I'm always skeptical of these, like, big NGOs and, you know, saying that they'll do what they say that they'll do. But right. um, I looked into this organization, and it seems uh, pretty legit. And uh, best of all, like, you know, it's crypto. Um, right. And the government doesn't get a cut. It just goes to um, help uh, people that are uh, 
uh, just the victims in all of this, um, like that, who I think have mostly been uh, overlooked because everybody is, uh, you know, digging their heels in whatever political camp they want to, which is fine, but, you know, there are consequences to that. Yeah, I did want to ask you, like, if you had vetted it yourself, because that's just what I always think about these things, like wh- whether it's Coney 2012, if you guys remember that. Oh, or yeah, that was a big one. Just like tons of things, like um, even when Haiti had an earthquake in 2010, I think it was, um, there were so many things where you're giving money to them just kind of without paying much attention. And then, oh, it turns out that it was going to something really bad. I, I don't remember any details, but... D- um, I know people can do their own research, but what did you find out as far as that goes for this one? Uh, I I did quite a bit of digging on this because, you know, I, I saw that um, Hamas was also using crypto. So I wow. was like, OK, let me make sure I'm not accidentally donating to Hamas. Oh, my um, God. But but like um, I there were several uh, different websites that talked about um, this in depth and the, it has the uh, support of like um of tons of different uh, crypto organizations, um, like like companies and uh, and like nonprofit groups. So um, it's sort of like a groundswell of uh, of of like institutional support around this. Which usually I'm also skeptical of. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm 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 much less skeptical of institutional crypto than I am of <laughs> institutional basically anything else. Um, and that makes but, sense. But it yeah, is an amazing I'm, option for people who want to do something. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing this here because you're right. There has been so much negativity. Um, and even like depending on what you know, social media accounts you follow. I mean, I've opened my Instagram a few times in the past couple of weeks to like really horrific things that I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this got past whatever AI is wow. is flagging <laughs> things like some really like graphic, horrific things. Um, and, you know, everybody's aggressively taking a side. You know, it's just it's it's how it usually is with war. Um, and it obviously this is a terrible, awful thing that's happening. Um, but I don't think we need to get like sucked into all of the negativity in the fear mongering. In the division. Um, in in like, the division. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. Yeah. Like now the Western world versus Muslims just because a group exactly. called Hamas did something. I think the most yeah, important like they're thing- terrorists like and, and I think to to group entire groups of people because of you know some some literal terrorists i mean i I just think the whole thing is absolutely awful um so anything positive and productive that can be done to help specifically um, the people the people caught up in in these government wars yeah absolutely so thank you for sharing that zephan yeah i mean i Honestly, it's just so tragic that that part has been overlooked. Um, like, because um, I met quite a few uh, people during a pork fest that are from Israel, and they're and they've been talking to me, and it's just like, um, you know, you, you, people don't think about it in like, in the retrospect of like these are like people's actual lives, yeah, you know, that are actually being impacted. Like, like in America, we don't really know what it's like to hear a bomb, you know, yeah. go off um, and like consistently, but like there, it's just a fact of life. Like, and, and like, I'm, I'm not even trying to be like, Oh yeah. Like, like in Israel, they're the only ones dealing with it. Like, no, obviously uh, people, uh, people living in the uh, Gaza Strip are also um, experiencing. Well, yeah. Um, this, I mean, this is know, a huge thing 
in the just in the Middle East in general, I mean, there is constant war, constant. Um, So anyone that really lives in that area, I mean, a lot of people that live in, like you said, like the Western world, like America and even, you know, like most of, you know, Western Europe. I mean, like, yeah, we're not used to this sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, and and we have the U.S. dollar to thank for it, uh, quite frankly. Um, And so what I really like about this is that it actually helps people like in both ways, because when you're donating dollars to, like, help somebody, you're kind of just recycling the, uh, like, the destruction <laughs> um, that will, like, continue as a result of you uh, oh, yeah. using their murder money. Yep. Um, so, so, like, to be able to, like, use a peaceful means of exchange to facilitate even more uh, peace, I, th- I think it's just great. Like I, I'm, I, I'm in va- I, I love compounding things like, um, you know, like, for example, right now, I'm like driving in the car and talking to you guys at the same time. I like to be efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like um, I, I like being efficient in my transactions as well. So if I can foster peace while also fostering peace, like, why not do that? So it's once again, guys, it's CryptoAidIsrael.com. Uh, I've edited it pretty extensively i would love to be disproven um but like you know it it seems pretty good yeah i mean if any of our if any of our listeners you know have any um you know opposing information about this organization or that you know this whatever this program yeah um, they're more than welcome to call in and disagree with you or whatever but i definitely don't want to like promote something that would be doing the opposite of what these people who are giving want to do so that's just the only reason i asked that in that question but it sounds like a really great thing i'm all for you know helping the people who are affected by government wars no matter what side they're on uh they didn't start this and his point about not just um further empowering the dollar when the government's, you know, they're not giving money to both sides. Did you know about this? It's a little weird. Um, the the United States uh, government. They kind of are. It's a little complicated. So Iran uh, basically had $9 billion unfrozen by the U.S. government, um, which sort of allowed for um, Hamas to get a lot of, uh, like, uh, capital for weaponry and then you know there was the whole afghanistan uh situation that made it so that a ton of u.s weaponry was left in the middle east a lot of it Mm. going back to hamas so um even even if it's not direct uh foreign aid which again there's also foreign aid and 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 humanitarian aid uh which hamas uses to buy rockets because uh that's what happens when you give a terrorist organization money like shocker they they don't use it to to buy bandages and food they use it to to buy uh bombs and bullets um but uh that that being said um like this i think that this is a way of getting around it um and one other thing that i would uh recommend people do is that even if they don't have money or crypto i guess specifically to donate uh to this project something else that's super helpful um would be if you could go onto their website and then look at their um, info email. It's like info at cryptoaidisrael.com or something. Uh, double check. Um, and email them and ask them to offer more cryptocurrencies. Because at the moment, they only offer Bitcoin and Ethereum. Hmm. Um, and I'd like to at least see, you know, Monero, Bitcoin Cash, Dash, like 
like just some of these other currencies that people actually use as currencies, you know, not just like yeah. uh, uh, things that gold. they never spend because the fees are so bloody high. I mean, the transaction for me for the $50 donation or whatever was like 30 cents, but um, that's because it was a good day to donate, but 30 cents is still way too high in my opinion for a crypto transaction, especially when there's so many other options out there. It, it really is. Thank you so much. Um, uh, it's a good time for me to bring up Dash because Dash transactions are always less than a penny. And um, that's why we on Free Talk Live think that it's really um, a good cryptocurrency to use. So this hour of Dash is brought, or sorry, this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto uh, project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the treasury. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. Dash.org. Um, I just think a 30 cent transaction is crazy even if that doesn't sound like a lot it's the fact tell that us some bitcoin right that's what bitcoin has or i think that's what he was saying that oh. his bitcoin one was 30 cents i i, I oh. guess i didn't hear if he said bitcoin or bitcoin yeah cash. i guess it depends what amount you're sending right? either way it's like it, this should be it. something that you spend instead of the dollar like today i bought a right, 75 yeah. cent piece of chocolate it's not that common but imagine if i uh use bitcoin and uh, it was a dollar and five cents it, would it just makes be people silly. not want to use it yeah. it makes it impossible to use it for day-to-day transactions right like right. when i use cash i don't have to pay a fee or i mean like tax but that's a completely different monster um but like when i buy something on my credit card you know i don't have to do that so it's nice that dash provides a crypto that is actually usable day-to-day yeah and the person accepting your credit card does have to pay a fee which yeah they do yeah so you know even for the people selling things they wouldn't be paying a a fee on um these transactions and i don't know if you've noticed but a lot of stores especially like mom and pop stores i think the credit card fees have gone up because Mm. now they're you know passing it back to the the person buying or using the credit card rather and they're making them cover the fees I've, I've seen that, that a lot. lot. Yeah, a lot more lately, which I actually kind of like because one, why do businesses have to right. eat those credit card fees? And two, people should be encouraged to use cash or other forms of payment. Um, well, we're moving back on to the calls. We have an unscreened caller. Unscreened caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hello. Um, not much. Just I was just listening now. Um, thank you guys for... Um, supporting, you know, the innocent. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for for that. Um, Yeah, the people who are just living their lives and, you know, caught up in this war, I guess it is now, in Israel, they're innocent people who don't deserve uh, what's happening to them and 
yeah, I'm, I'm always going to support the people over the government. Yeah, absolutely. It is it is kind of gross how people are even picking a side. Yeah, in something true. like this, you know what I mean? Like both both sides are wrong. Both sides are government, and it's interesting to see a lot of like freedom loving people, like libertarians. Um, you know, picking either Israel, like people, yeah, I see a lot of people picking both sides. Um, and I think, I think both sides are wrong. And there was something I wanted to read earlier, but I just didn't get the chance to, but something, uh, a post I found that I actually thought I was going to get a lot of hate for posting this on social media. And I actually, a lot of people were very receptive to it. Hmm. Um, not like I mind making waves, even if I did get hate, I, you know, I'm going to post it regardless, but I do not stand with Israel. I do not stand with Hamas. I do not stand with Ukraine. I do not stand with Russia. I stand with the individuals who are held hostage by government. And that is exactly what is happening here. This is government, you know, governments attacking other governments or but really governments uh, attacking individuals. And there are a lot of civilian casualties, especially with the conflict that's going on in Israel, in the Gaza Strip, in Palestine. There are a lot of civilian casualties. That's why I find it so weird when people are like, oh, there's a war here that, you know, in Israel, and we're going to now hate people from Israel. Yeah. It's, like, it's what not did the, the what people did, there. Do yeah. you agree with what your government does? Do you agree with what your neighbor does? Like, yeah, do you like, what are their everybody real, around you? Yeah, like, real Israeli people, I, they're innocent. You know what I mean? They're like just it's, individuals. It's the military people and it's the government officials, just like every single war, just like World War Two, just like World War One. These are the people in power. These are politicians. These are governments. Making decisions Make, for everyone. Exactly. And, and um, it's always wrong. Hamas, I don't I don't I mean it's not a government, but it's the same exact thing. It's a gang yes, of people yes. who have grabbed the most power in an area and they're causing really bad things to happen to not only the people in Israel um, if, uh, since they bombed them, but also, you know, the power being turned off in, in the Gaza Strip and the water being turned off. And mm-hmm. people yeah. can't even go um, to the hospital and get saved when they're hit, getting hit by bombs right now because Israel, the g- government, is turning off the water supplies. So like in bombing and, and telling people, telling people to to flee mm-hmm. and then bombing the exit. Wow, that's terrible. I mean, like. So that's why, like, a lot of people are standing with Israel simply because of Hamas. Hmm. But like, like we just said, Hamas does not represent all of Palestine. And Israel is just as guilty in this whole conflict. And you know, I I can't take either government side. Right. Me either. And I've always said the same thing about Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. I only care yes. about the innocent people um, getting caught up in this, and um, you know, getting drafted <sighs> to be in this war for Zelensky and yeah. Putin. But absolutely. And I think um, it is very different with Israel because it makes it like it turns it into a religious war. Right. So like Mm. all of like the very religious people um, that makes them more likely to pick a side. And a lot of people are like, this is the holy war. I mean, we was this what was this last Wednesday or last Saturday or last Sunday? I mean, um, like so many people were calling in like, no, you don't have to worry. This is all God's doing. Like people were making it so religious. Wow. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with the Bible. My God this has nothing that. to do with any holy book. This has nothing to do with religion. This has nothing to do with God. Or maybe it does have something to do with religion, whatever. But this is 
people being murdered. Like, you cannot justify this with your religion. Right. You can't. Stop trying to. Like, this is not a good thing. And if your God wants this to happen, then maybe, you know, you should take a deeper look at your religion and whether it is so peaceful and so loving. Right. I agree. Organized religion is just another control method. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, they tell you from a young age, if you don't agree with everything that we say and do, you're going to hell. or was a fear mongering, right? Whatever the thing is. And so, you know, you grow up like that and you get brainwashed into just going along with it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things we were talking about at the beginning and um, at the beginning of the show with with Mark Passio Mm -hmm. about um, ways to control human beings' minds. It's a it's kind of a trap. And I'm not just saying if you believe in a spiritual reality, I do. So it's it's not about that. It's It's different. It's like Lori said, it's the organized. Right. Um, and I don't even want to pretend like all organized religion is always bad. You know, um, you know, I've said this on the show before. If you can get good things out of it, then that's great. But I think like the the collectivism aspect of it, if you can't separate yourself from that religion and from that group of people and look at things objectively as an individual and make your own decisions based on what is ethical and what is right and like the real peaceful, loving thing to do then no, I don't think that's positive. I don't think that's a positive thing. And if you're only um, supporting war and you're only supporting Israel or Palestine or whatever because of your religion, like that's kind of, I I think that's negative. Yeah. I mean, you should have your own um, ability to know what's right and wrong. And if your pastor is telling you something that you know deep inside is not right, then you should be able to change your mind, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Without being shamed and without being like fear mongered. You're going to go to hell. God's God's not going to accept you into his loving arms in the afterlife. That's weird. And and that's the worst part is like this happens to children who don't have the ability to like think at this level yet. Yeah. And that was, you know, I I didn't grow up very religious, um, but we did go to church a little bit and I did grow up like Catholic. And then we know we we changed into Lutheran, whatever, like different different forms. But uh, and my sister had the same experience as well. Like we did not grow up super religious. We didn't even go to church a lot. But still, when I started to discover a different form of spirituality within myself and I started to recognize, no, like a lot of the thing, like I don't I don't really agree with like a lot of like Christianity and a lot of those organized religions. Like once that started to not make sense to me anymore, I still held on to it out of fear of going to hell, Hmm. because even as someone who grew up not very religious, that was the one thing that stuck, that fear-mongering as a child. And it was just like, I, I don't actually believe in this, but I have to pretend I do because what if? Yeah. That that like what if that lingers? And I think that lingers for a lot of people into their adult life. Um, and they're not they're almost like not able to think rationally and make their like form their own beliefs and their own opinions because of that. Yeah, fear keeps people from opening their mind at all about any subject so i would definitely agree we have another caller on the line we have tim from florida tim what's on your mind oh i've got so much on my mind uh well collectivism you mentioned and i'm thinking of uh well how service in the idf the israeli defense force it's obligatory not only for all israeli citizens but it's also obligatory for all permanent residents of Israel, even if they're not Israeli citizens. Oh, wow. I think I did hear that before, that even if you go immigrate to Israel, well, you still have to sign up for like a year 
Um, you can stay on the line, by the way, Tim, if you have more to say. Um, but yeah, you have to do a year of um, being in the IDF or something, Israeli Defense Force in Israel if you move there. So yeah, that's, you know, that's slavery. That's all it is. Um, controlling other people and forcing them to be in your military, even if they're born there or what, it doesn't matter. Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160 is the number to get on with us. More coming up. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the phone number to get in on uh, the conversation. Bring up whatever you want. It's up to you because it's Free Talk Live. We've been having a pretty lively conversation. Well, a bunch of them tonight. Um, And whatever you want to bring up, it's up to you. 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie, Lori, and Nikki. And I'm just going to get right into you guys' phone calls and thoughts. We have Tim from Florida. I'm not sure which one it is because it looks like there's two now. Um, Tim? Yeah, sorry about that. Can you oh, hear me? Oh, fine. Yep, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, something happened on the other line. I'm not sure. Okay, I'll drop uh, I it. Just wanted to, I just want to follow up that um, so there was a hospital in the Gaza Strip that was bombed, and from what I can tell, uh, you know, I think it's the same hospital that's being described in the news segment on the break. And basically the state of Israel is saying that Hamas did it. But everyone in Gaza is saying that Israel did it. And when I say that, I'm just saying that, that people like on Twitter and stuff, you know, uploading mm. video feeds and stuff. And uh, now, uh, you notice I said it's a Baptist hospital. I didn't say it's a Muslim hospital. And I just wanted to draw attention to the fact that, number one, there are Arab Jews that live in Gaza, and there are Arab Christians that live in Gaza. I never really heard that before. Honestly, I didn't know. I just figured they wouldn't live there. They're a very small percentage. Yeah, they're a very small percentage. And part of the reason is, over time, they've been driven out um, of of Palestine. Uh, You know, so when I lived in California, for example, on my block, there was actually a family of Palestinians that owned three businesses. They owned an Italian restaurant, a convenience store, and a hamburger joint. And yeah, they were always really nice. And I, if I if I recall, they were they were Christians, not Muslims, you know. But a lot of the Christians uh, that originated in Palestine, they went abroad. 
Um, so they they just like left and came to America because they were in Palestine and they had to leave. Well, that that's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought much about it because a lot of people, you know, they're like, well, I'm Jewish, so of course I support Israel. But that doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it, if you support a government bombing an area that also has Jews in it. But, I mean, yeah. you just shouldn't support murder. and That's a better place to start from. Well, and another thing is the fact that you have these hostages, and even on on the uh, news break that you know the other day they were maybe it was a few days ago they said uh, uh, basically that Israel was bombing Palestine and they still didn't know where the hostages were. Oh, okay, so you don't know where the hostages are, but you're you're carpet bombing Palestine. Wow, that's that's really smart. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. See, honestly, it's a little hard for me to keep up with every single detail of this because I, I feel don't even like want to. A lot of it could just be like fake stuff that's uh, you know intended to get people angry. I hate yeah. to say it, but it happens. The propaganda, well, yeah. that's yeah. war propaganda yeah. is absolutely yeah. real, and um, we're even seeing a lot of that. I mean, like it's like the ghost of Kiev in Ukraine that yeah. was fake. But even like as simple as just like. People posting stuff on Facebook and, you know, like you're changing your like how people were changing their profile pictures to like the Ukrainian flag. Like who was the first person to do that? Does anybody know? Because thousands of people were doing it. Right. So like Hmm. somebody and and to me, like, I don't want to be like, everything's a conspiracy, but it really does feel that way. Well, there are. I mean, I mean, there. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of this stuff is proven. And again, going back to like what we were talking about in the very first segment of the show where um, there's the real truth and then there's what you believe and your biases. And um, if you try to get to the root of the real truth, like are there bots on Facebook? Are Is this, you know, is the Ukrainian flag profile picture? Is that, uh, you know, is, is supporting this one side? Is that all war propaganda? If you try to dive into that and get to the root of that and the truth, people will be like, oh, no, you can't go against the narrative. Right. You're a racist or you're this or you're that. It's you know, we're going to ostracize you because you don't believe in what we're believing in. You know, well, it's weird, too, because it's like a trend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like people post this picture like Becky, who's selling Sensi on Facebook <laughs> and just posting silly TikToks. You don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't pretend like you this? care. Yeah, exactly. But they have to but or it's else. it's trendy or else, you know, you'll, yeah. you'll be looked at like you're not part of the group anymore. Yeah. Or the Black Lives Matter thing. I mean, like, there's all like oh, all of those things where, like, especially if you are a business owner, a small, like, any, 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 you know, anything. Um, if you didn't change your profile to like the black, they they mm-hmm. did a, a black um Post square a black square for on Instagram day, yeah. or whatever. Or if you don't have, if you don't say that you're an anti-racist in your profile, people will boycott you and you will get canceled and it happens to like random people you're not virtue signaling hard enough yeah exactly so yeah. and it's and it's almost difficult to even know it's like randomly selected like which celebrity is going to be canceled for something they said 10 years ago today you know and it, it's all of this stuff i mean it's not necessarily connected to the war in um, ukraine or to the war in israel but it all of that perpetuates what is happening here. And if, if you are just a person who wants to get to the truth of the matter of whatever you're um, investigating, well, you got to get used to sometimes being looked at in an unpopular light, or and sometimes 
you know, the complete opposite. In 2016, I was really, I was like a Facebook warrior, like always posting about like the cops are really bad. Yeah. And I said, we should abolish the police on Facebook. And this girl called me a racist for that in 2016. Now, fast forward 2020, it would be like, thank you for standing in solidarity. It, yeah. it doesn't even make any sense. She said, exactly. Was, you have made a confused face. She said I was racist because, um, she um, was a girl that worked at the same bank I used to work at in 2016. And um, she was like, I, f- I don't remember what um, type of native, but she's a native of Alaska. And I don't want to say the wrong one if, if I'm wrong. Um, and she was saying like, well, people in my community, like we don't have that much money. You think we have the money to hire our own security as if it has anything to do with race you know like the amount of money you have doesn't have to do with the race and second of all if you're not being taxed for paying for the police like being forced to pay for the police you'd have a little bit more money to possibly you know buy yourself a gun or do whatever else you wanted to do to keep yourself safe that's currently illegal right now because- yeah but people can't think that hard no but we do have more people on the call thank you tim from florida for the call um, unscreened caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hello. Um, I was calling earlier, but then I didn't have anything to talk about. But now I have a lot to talk about. It was weird because I What's couldn't. What's your name? Uh, my name. Is, I'm. I'm in. Uh, I'm in the chat right now. I'm, you have. You have rights. Cops have duties. Is my YouTube handle. Okay. Um, but I had um, some stuff to talk about, but I couldn't tell the temperature of the room. And I, I said, thank you for standing up for the innocent. And oh. um, yeah, there are innocent on both sides, but I really do believe that Israel is uh, an oppressive people that are trying to um, take uh, people and force, uh, force apartheid. Uh, that's the ideas of building walls, separate nations. And um, they're the number one like model for that around the world right now at, at this time that we speak of and until the uh, uh, dehumanizing border wall at the uh, United States border gets built, um, which is only a wall to keep us in. Um, there mm-hmm. are some people in chat. There was a guy, Johnny Be Good, I believe, in chat talking about how he wishes he had a spot on a reservation instead of having to live the life he's living now. And I asked him if he's ever lived on a reservation, and he said no. And um, I was going to tell him, okay, good, uh, uh, have fun um, being forced to, um, the only girls around you are your cousins. Um, (laughs) Have you lived on a uh, reservation? Just curious. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was raised on Yamba Shoshone Native American Reservation in um, Nevada. Oh. Uh, I was adopted at 12 years old. I was a white boy kid. They call me Divo. Divo is basically... Shoshone for white devil. Um, oh but gosh. they called me yeah, but they call me that affectionately um to That's see pretty what funny, kind honestly. of um what kind of what kind of person I am. I'm a young white um male that they invited onto their uh ranch on a reservation in the middle of the mountains um to live with them and help them and stuff, but I was a really good helper. I they the main thing about what, but, how um, ignorant that comment is you're bringing up is the idea that, like, if um, he, he would rather... I know, I, know, I know what you're saying, that it sounds ignorant and everything, but listen... Oh, no, not you. Out. Sorry, I didn't mean you. Hold on. I'm going to put you on hold oh, really fast. Yeah. I, I just want to get my thought out. The thing that's ignorant about the comment he was responding to is people act like, you know, oh, the natives are um, ungrateful because... They yeah, they're, get, like, taken care of or whatever. Yeah, they get... But they get a small amount of money each day. They've been completely, like... 
just completely like ripped away from their old um, knowledge and heritage via like the schools that they used to put them through in the 1800s mm-hmm. and um they still do that wow yeah yeah i mean this has been happening for hundreds of years since like the, the colonization of the united states and i think the it's, residential schools like, yeah. they still so, have i think that there's some still i know that there was some like up until in the canada 80s there and 90s. are at least I think in canada yeah, yeah absolutely still residential schools i mean like they say it was just as bad in canada as it was in the united yeah. states and just um, being it's still going on yeah given money doesn't like solve every single part of your uh, part of your life it, it actually really takes away the the person's spirit and um wanting to do better and it's a huge reason why people in many different places in america do worse because of all the welfare that yeah. gets pumped into this area so cops have duties um what else is on your mind can i can i say something i'm sorry uh i was saying yes that's those are awesome thank yeah, you yeah. ladies uh you know um the thing about it is, is that the reservations are exactly um, uh, internment camps. They, they are, uh, they are apartheid Israel. Hmm. Um, they, they um, are uh, even to this day. Uh, like you guys brought up the money aspect of it. Oh, that money can't buy you happiness because of all the stuff they've been taken from them. But the money aspect uh, of the United States government. Uh, shadows the people's minds and thinks, oh, these people are just freeloaders or something. It's like, no, um, they, uh, 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 on the reservation, um, it was uh, disgusting because they tell these people, they, it's like I, I get called sovereign citizen all the time uh, mm-hmm. for my belief in knowing the law. But uh, they, uh, I always tell people, I say, no, I have the right to be sovereign and I have also a right to not be a United States citizen. And, um, uh, they call the Native American reservation a sovereign nation. Yet, if you ever have been on a reservation for any length of period of time, um, there's this thing called the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which they're not even Indians. They're Whoa. Native American. They don't want to be called Indian. They never was called Indian before in their lives uh, back in the day. Uh, Indian is a white man's uh, oppressive term. And um, so there's this Bureau of Indian Affairs that takes over their entire life. They, they show up from time to time to tell them how to live in their house, to tell them Same. what they can have on their yard. It's basically an overgrown uh, homeowners association, and um, the sovereign nation does not exist. They do not just get paid free money to, to just sit around. No, um, they have to perform. Uh, they're, they're, it's pure slavery. That's and on terrible. top of it, yeah, they, they they have to perform for the Bureau of Indian Affairs if they do not fall in line. It's like it's like child's protective service services. Mm-hmm. They tell you to clean your living room, and then you show them how good you can clean your living room. But then they say no, you can't see your kid until um, you clean your uh, kitchen. Yeah, but there's always something. Kitchen. They're always moving the bar. Yes, you have to clean the kitchen how we want you to clean the kitchen. And pretty soon, it's not your child. It's not your kitchen. It's not your life. You're just an existence on this earth, uh, meaningless and just uh, and nothing. Uh, rampant alcohol abuse on Native mm-hmm. American reservations is a given, not because they love to drink alcohol, but because what are you supposed to do when you don't own your house, you don't own your children, you don't own your life, and Dang. then um, you get talked crap about because you're uh, inbreeding with your cousin because your cousin's the only female available on the reservation. 
Well, thank you so much for the call. Um, cops have duties. That that was super enlightening. Um, yeah. and absolutely terrible. I find new reasons to hate the United States government every single day. And Jesus, like, um, I don't know. It just sounds it's. I I understand why somebody would turn to alcoholism. Like he said, yeah, if you don't own depression. your life, yeah. it's depressing. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it perpetuates this sense of hopelessness. And I think, um, and, I mean, everything he was saying was absolutely true. And and this is just stuff I hear just from being, you know, on the, you know, the uh, the obscure sides of the Internet. Right. And just like different research that I've done. Um, And it's I don't know if I don't think it is common knowledge, especially for people living on like the East Coast, because the trail of tears and all of these people were like exiled to the Western side of the United States. So we don't even really have, um, like I don't even really know any natives really, because I, I guess you could say, I mean, my family is like historically native from like hundreds of years ago in Mexico. Right. So like, but, but very different, like not like actual real native American people. Um, well, I, I did, I grew up in, or, or, Five years of my life I spent in Utah, and I finished high school there. But the thing about it is, you these people um, that lived right outside of the military base that I lived on on a reservation, and honestly, I can never remember. Oh, it's Goshu Indians, or sorry, Goshu Native natives. Sometimes I am not used to say, uh, saying natives because it's just like I always said Indian as a kid, but it yeah. doesn't make any sense to call people so, Indian just because C- Christopher Columbus thought they were exactly Indians. it's an in incorrect term. Um, I always said Native Americans. That's what I was taught in in the public schools that I went to. To me, that didn't even um, pop up until I was like really? a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. No, we but, were doing that on the East Coast in like the early 2000s, I guess. But um, it was always like if you said Indian, it was like not PC. But a yeah. lot of older folks like my mom always says uh, Indians and I'm hmm. always correcting her. Um, not even just because I'm like, mom, stop being racist. It's... um. It's just incorrect. But the Indians are from it, India. You know what I mean? Right. It's it, That's the thing that made me stop doing it. I was like, it doesn't even make sense. But Yeah, exactly. The thing about but. it is uh, these people um, that lived, I'm not going to collectivize all of them. There was like tons of people that lived on this reservation off um, of Dugway Proving Ground, Utah. They were just always very happy and nice. And they didn't want to talk about stuff like that. Like, I, I just feel like I would have never learned this stuff mm-hmm. because, okay, yeah. you know, they, they never talked about stuff like this. Like I even one time kind of embarrassed myself because I found out from um a, one of like a 26 year old uh, girl that was working with me and I was 18 that she had had a really crazy spiritual encounter. Maybe I shouldn't even say what it is. In fact, I don't even like saying the word, but with something that's sort of um like evil and i okay I, worked, I know what you're talking about yeah i worked with her mom later and i was like so your daughter was telling me this when i worked with her at the other store like and she was like really like 100 we don't talk about that like i don't so, know why my daughter So, do did. you think um maybe like the experience you had was due to a certain sense of privacy that they have yeah and in just a, like, like mistrust like, trying to maintain honor right yeah so you're like the white girl from yeah. the military ground like you know like kind of like an outsider right and right, I, i'm exactly. not trying to say this to be offensive either it's just kind of like the facts right right um especially if you're kind of segregated in a way on these reservations it's like Okay, so for hundreds of years, my people have been, you know, enslaved and, and, you know, completely, you know, have like everything stripped from us by the white colonizers that came in and, you know, created the United States of America and, you know, did all these awful atrocities to these people. 
So like after hundreds of years of that, even like innocent individuals that are just also victims of the United States government, you know, um, it is hard to to but kind relate. of trust. Yeah, to relate, but like also to trust outsiders. It's like, OK, like this. These are the people I know this. This is safe. I know these people aren't going to. To do anything to harm me or whatever. Um, so so it does make sense, like unless somebody was living on the reservation and was kind of like an insider why you would maybe not even know this information because like the honor and the pride aspect and we of were it. really friendly in general like she was yeah a, a very nice lady and um i mean every single person from the reservation that i met while i lived there was like really nice to you mm-hmm. um it's not that it was like they hate white yeah, people yeah, or anything yeah. like that but you have to there has to be like a certain level of trust before you're going to talk about things like that with her exactly yeah, yeah right. like it, it that's like a next level of friendship and trust you know um so i i guess that's what i meant by it but um also recently i learned and i don't know if this is true um but i learned that like the price of groceries and the price of goods on certain native american reservations are like astronomical yeah, I saw like, a picture like that once. And I was yeah, like, yeah, I saw it was like on Instagram, like a thread of photos, and like again, that was something I had no clue about. Government um, price control is so crazy. So yeah, it's like, yeah and, they're and getting is, all this money, quote unquote. It's really not that much. No, it, and it doesn't seem like that's like from my perspective. I'm like, I I wouldn't think that these are privileged people. Like this seems like they have been um, traumatized. Yeah, and and just completely taken advantage of and i i want to use the word disrespected but it's so much worse than that like um just the u.s government has been wronging these people for so long and it's like giving them casinos and money like that's not going to fix what like they need freedom Hmm. they you know and it's just like i how do you reconcile that it, it's just, yeah, it's it's a huge issue, and I'm really glad the caller called in. And yeah, it was really interesting. I, I'm glad we're having this conversation because, like, obviously, like this isn't a conversation we would normally have on this show. Yes. Um, and that's you know the beauty of Free Talk Live and a caller driven show is because we have conversations like this, and it can can help us to open our minds as well. And I titled the show tonight "Is Freedom of Speech Still Legal?" because. Um, freedom of speech is something really important to us here on Free Talk Live for exactly the reasons Nikki just said. And um, when uh, we're going to go to break soon, but I'm going to get into this Reason article that makes me question if freedom of speech is even still a thing. Um, this is from Reason.com. It says, Iowa man files a lawsuit after being arrested twice for criticizing the police at a public meeting. And he says, ironically, the actions of the police department have only proven my point. Says officials in a small Iowa town twice arrested a young man for criticizing the police department and saying it violates people's civil rights. Now the town is facing a lawsuit for violating his civil rights, which is I'm glad that that's happening. I hope they lose in a federal lawsuit filed Thursday in the U.S. District Court of the Southern District of Iowa. Noah Peterson says the town of Newton violated the first, fourth, and 14 amendments when the police chief arrested him for speaking during the public comment period of a city council meeting. Arrested for speaking at a public meeting. Right. It's crazy. Peterson is represented by the Institute for Justice. Oh, we keep talking about them. They're just great. Um, A libertarian-leaning public interest law firm. 
Quote, the mayor and police chief had Noah arrested, jailed, strip searched, and criminally prosecuted simply because they didn't like what Noah had to say. Unquote. In the lawsuit states. What did they charge him with? That's what I'm wondering, because um, like they said, it's for speaking. And I'm sure that that was the reason. But what did they write down as the reason? Right. Because they always have to write something that sounds bad and like right. he actually yeah. did something wrong. Like something legitimate. Quote, the suit is filed to vindicate the fundamental right to criticize the government without fear of retaliation and to ensure the constitutional accountability of all government officials. Unquote. Peterson was prompted to speak at an October 3rd, 2022 Newton City Council meeting after the release of body cam footage showed Newton officers arresting a college football player, Taven Galanakis. Galanakis was arrested for driving under the influence despite blowing a 0.0 on a breathalyzer. Oh, that happened to me before. And passing roadside sobriety tests. He was taken to the police station for further drug tests, all of which came back negative before eventually being released. And uh, they'll do that. They'll um, You can blow 0.00 and they will say, yeah, but you smell like alcohol. So we're going to have to yeah. take you in. And they're just lying. Yeah. You know? And that's why I had an attorney who specializes in DUIs say to me, and he also uh, has a history as a state trooper. So mm-hmm. he's been on both sides of this. Um, and the advice he gave to me was, if you ever get pulled over whether you, even if you think you're sober, never, ever, ever, ever blow in a breathalyzer, because especially if you've been drinking, I mean, that's just like evidence against you. Hmm. And even if you haven't, even if you think you're going to blow a zero, I mean, they misconstrue everything. So it's like the same thing. It's like, don't talk to cops. You know, if anyone's, if, if somebody's coming at you, even, even like not even just cops, like if anyone who is trying to build a case against you, essentially. So especially cops, yeah, just don't say anything. And, and that's the best thing you can do. So you blew a 0.0 and they still arrested you? Yeah, they said that I smelled like alcohol and I didn't. I just didn't. So um, that's a whole long story. But getting back into this Reason.com um, article, we're going to talk about the guy who was arrested for freedom of speech. 603-283-6160. We weren't, won't arrest you for using your freedom of speech. It's Free Talk Live. Hey, you are going to love the movie Victimless Crime Spree. It's hilarious, heartwarming, and carries a ton of inspiring freedom messages. Feeling down about the lack of liberty in your life? You need to put on this film with some friends and have a good laugh. It's a true story about me and my friends in New Hampshire living free, singing, dancing, and getting arrested. Of course, it's all on video, and the bad guys, the cops, judges, bailiffs, and sheriffs, they all play their part like it's out of a movie or something. You would think we scripted the whole thing, but it's real life. Go ahead and have a watch, and if it's been a while, have another look. I guarantee you'll notice things now that you didn't notice before. And the best part is that you're going to walk away feeling a renewed sense of your own power. You are the master of your destiny, and you will be free in your lifetime. Victimless Crime Spree. Free Talk Live.
Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. You can get on the air with us on Free Talk Live. And with you in the studio today, it's me, Bonnie. Lori. And Nikki. And that number is 603-283-6160 if you want to get in on the last hour of Free Talk Live with us. We do have a caller. We have Matthew calling in. Matthew, what's on your mind? Yeah, I'm just calling because uh, Nikki was talking about uh, DUIs and getting pulled over. I, I think that the, the cops put out a lot of misinformation about that, and it makes it confusing. And so the, the thing is that, I mean, not a lawyer, not legal advice, um, but the, the key there is that the only thing they can actually convict you on is a breath or blood sample. Um, and, and so what will happen is that if you don't, you, you can refuse the field sobriety test, like the walking the line, touching your nose. You can absolutely refuse that. If you refuse the breath or blood sample, they'll hit you with the, uh, an implied consent violation, which basically says that when you got a driver's license, you oh. agreed that you oh, would be subject right. to that kind of testing. Yes. And no. so, you should, you should absolutely, you should never take the field sobriety test. And they couch it in language like, I just want you to prove to me that you're safe to drive. That's a lie. They're just trying to catch you because, so what will happen is that they'll take that body cam footage and they'll be like, hey, you were unstable. You didn't follow the directions exactly as I put them out. And so the field sobriety test is really just a trap to get you to like, oh, I think I can beat this. You will never beat it. It's not possible yeah. to well, beat it even if you do everything perfectly. Yeah. You'll, be, you'll do fine. But if you refuse the blood test um, or a breath test, you are fucked. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. You can't, can't say that. Well, I hope I got it in time. Uh, yeah, yeah, you sorry. did. Sorry, can't say it on the air. But um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you meant to say that. But yeah, um, I didn't know. I Like when Nikki said that, I honestly was like, wow, I didn't know. But if you can't... The, the main thing is just like don't get in a conversation with cops. Like if you're... Um, able to like i did get um a cop have me do a breathalyzer thing but i could have stopped it i could have nipped it in the bud kind of thing i could i could have been just like i'm not getting any closer to you in my case i actually wasn't driving it sounds crazy but they said that i admitted i drove to work i had been there for an hour and they said i was drunk and um that i smelled like alcohol if i would have just said i'm not talking to you and not getting any closer because i was far away with the way that my desk was set up at this hotel then i wouldn't have had I like I don't think they would have had the opportunity to even ask to, me to take the test. Yeah, exactly. So um, not talking to cops is the best uh policy. Thank always. you for the call, Matthew. Yeah, no. I I completely agree with that. So and I have heard this before where like even just having a driver's license like you consent to doing a breath test. Maybe it's not but the same I just state, don't but I don't know. I don't see how I just doing the breath test is just a bad idea. Yeah. Because especially if you know you're drunk, I, that's just evidence against you. Obviously, like different in your case, Bonnie, because you weren't actually drunk at that point. But um, it's just really like if you've been drinking, like that is just creating evidence against you. Like don't don't do any of their tests. Just say no, I'm not. And they're gonna they're gonna arrest you. Another they're thing- gonna bring you to the police station. So, and I think a lot of people are just trying to avoid that. They don't yeah. want their car to get towed. They don't want to deal with the mess. I got taken Guess- out of the hotel I was working at. I was the only employee there. I had to call, or they had to call my boss and tell her to come show up in the middle of the night because they were yeah. arresting me for some bogus thing. It made me look really bad. Luckily, yeah. I didn't get fired. Yeah, of course. And, and this is the thing with the police. I mean, their job is to harass you. Um, So you can, and, and people are just trying their best. They're like, I just want this to be. 
you know, as, as painless as possible. And I don't want my car to get towed. I don't want to pay all this money. I don't have to hire an attorney. Like they don't want to have to do all this stuff. Unfortunately, either way, you're probably going to have to do that. No matter what you do, you can't reason with terrorists. Yep. They're going to terrorize you. Like that's their purpose. So uh, unfortunately, like there's, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, there's you could speak out against it. Like there's there's something you can do, but non-participation. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't and have a license. I've never had one. Yeah, oh, wow. I've never voted. I've never registered to vote. Like none. Yeah, of it. yeah. No, and that's the thing. Like, and that. Yeah, actually, Lori, you're completely right. That is the best thing you can do for yourself is just exit the system and stop playing their game. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Noon, who's a host on Thursdays, he told me that. In Massachusetts specifically, when you sign up um, for a driver's license in Massachusetts, I forgot what it was now. Sorry, I started talking about it and forgot exactly what it was, but it was something crazy. It was like when you sign up for a license in Massachusetts, you are giving up some kind of right. And I was like, Probably. what? So- Anytime you sign up for any yeah. government service, you're giving up some kind of right. You're consenting to something. Yeah. It's you know, just like any free service that you're getting somewhere, yeah. you're mm. consenting to something of value to them. Yep. Yeah. So, well, don't um, do it. <laughs> right before the last um, segment ended, we were talking about this story from Reason Magazine about a guy who actually got arrested for just exercising his own freedom of speech at a city council meeting. He was speaking out about the cops because just, um, I think, the week before they had arrested. Um, Taven Galanakis, he was a high school football player. I think they said high school um, football player in the town who got arrested after blowing a 0.0 on a breathalyzer and passing roadside sobriety tests. He was taken to the police station for further drug tests, all of which came back negative. And um, this guy, his name is Noah Peterson. He was speaking out against the police and saying that they violate people's civil rights in um, a a town meeting. So it says, Peterson approached the microphone and said, hello, this is my public comment for the city council meeting, now October 3rd, 2022. Defund Newton Police Department. They are a violent, civil, and human rights violating organization who do not make your community safer. They are also pro-domestic abuse because they are currently employing a domestic abuser and choosing not to release the records about that domestic abuser. Wow. That seems to be something that the cops will go after you for if you um, tell the public about their, you know, beating their wives, which happens um, at a 40 or more percent rate in the United States. Um, that's facts. That's fact. Um, in the police, In the police profession. At that point, the Newton mayor ordered Peterson to stop talking, although his allotted three minutes of time had not expired. That's the most up. When Peterson refused, the mayor ordered the police chief to remove Peterson for violating a council rule forbidding derogatory statements or comments about any individual. That's so stupid. It's not derogatory to tell the town that they're employing a domestic abuser. Right. The truth isn't derogatory. Right. It's not like he went up there and said that they're idiots. Wow. Which they are. But, <laughs> and that's actually also a fact. So, yeah, <laughs> that is the truth. Fact. That is the truth. <laughs> Peterson was handcuffed, arrested and jailed until his parents could post bond for him. He returned to the next city council meeting to speak during the public comment period and was once again arrested after calling the police chief and mayor fascists. That's awesome. also facts. Yeah. I mean, okay. this guy is, you know, based. So this is a city council rule. 
right? And not yeah. a law. Right. So but what law arrested. did he break to yeah. get arrested? Probably none, because you can really say anything you want. I mean, and that's the thing, like the rules, it's like, okay, well, I mean, I will have to read the rest of the story, but I guess if they're like, you're breaking the rules, you got to go. That's, and then yeah, they but escorted that's the him. Arresting him. Like they took it him. doesn't say that he fought them. It's just they but, escorted him out. I'm wondering what maybe it will come up if with what it is. Refusing got, to leave and trespassing? I have no clue. I guess. Um yeah, it could be a trespass. But that's or, a, yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's right here. It says Peterson was charged both times with disorderly conduct for disrupting a lawful assembly. Oh my god, give me a break. Because <laughs> he broke the rules. That's the most common yeah. um, you know. Arrest for because nothing. you can, um, is yeah, really conduct? exactly. Because it's, justice, um, conduct, all hmm. of those, yeah, it's completely, you know, you can just make it say up. anything, make it up, that, yeah, basically. exactly. Is that like, a thing I didn't like, yeah, well, yeah, disorderly conduct, right? Yeah. However, as reasons Emma Camp reported in February, those charges did not sit, stick. Last Wednesday, Peterson, uh, this is a quote from Emma Camp. Her article with reason from February says last Wednesday, Peterson was found not guilty of his disorderly conduct charge, adding to his victory. The judge overturned the rule barring derogatory statements about individuals during the city council meetings. That's awesome. As applied in this particular instance, the Newton City Council rule is violative of the First Amendment, the verdict states. Peterson did not act in any objectively unreasonable manner, the judge added. He read a prepared statement relating to the basic city service of policing. While some may not agree with the content of his comments, the court finds the statement made statements made were not derogatory nor about an individual. In the event the state in the event the statements could be found derogatory or a comment about an individual, the court finds these terms vague and overbroad. So, yeah, he won that back in February. Good. But it says, Peterson says, the entire mess shows why he stepped up to the podium in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah, this totally made his point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, quote, ironically, the actions of the police department have only proven my point. Um, my in- initial criticism was about the way they treat citizens in our community. They arrested me for exercising my right to free speech, for standing up for what I believe is right. Their reaction to my criticism was a clear demonstration of the very issue I was trying to highlight. Their actions underscore the urgent need for the very reforms I was advocating for. Unquote. Newton officials simply do not appear to take criticism well. As reasons Emma Camp reported earlier this month, the two Newton police officers who arrested Galanakis have since filed a defamation suit against him for publishing the body cam footage of his own arrest. This is uh, similar to what's happening to our friend Press and H now on YouTube. He released the body cam footage for that was in discovery in his own case, mm-hmm. and um, the cops tried to get a restraining order against him, saying that they were what? it was threatening or something like that. So stupid. Their, their uh, own actions were yeah. threatening. Aren't they performing a public service? Right. Yeah. It's crazy. And apparently, there is a dumb law that kind of um, an RSA is what they call it in New Hampshire that was kind of um, making it sound like it was illegal to post it. So. It was so weird. The judge ordered that not that he take down the video off his YouTube, but he, that he not post any more of it. it. It's like that is. I think he, he didn't everything get, about that so dumb. Like right. he doesn't, and that like the judge there, he's like, I actually don't want to get like into it, so I'm not right. going to make you take it down, but I'm going to tell you not to do any more. <laughs> he should that post kind of the rest of lot. it. A lot of times, yeah. like, when you're doing something that is technically illegal, but it's stupid that it's illegal, the cops like won't arrest you for it because they don't want you to have a case and overturn the law. 
mm-hmm. like um, President HNL and Ian and our co-host Riley went and filmed in the lobby. Actually, I don't think Ian filmed in the lobby just because he like had his own stuff to deal with, but of a court and they wouldn't arrest them even though it's technically against the policy or whatever because they didn't want to have to fight that in court. And it was it was pretty obvious that was why. Well, um, taking a break from this story about this guy and how he ends up bringing a lawsuit against uh, his town for this, we have Chuck on the phone in Washington. Chuck, what's on your mind? Yeah, uh, my next question was, does this guy sue the city in Massachusetts where his rights were violated for $250,000? It's Iowa, actually. But yeah, he's going to sue them. Well, there you go. See, when you when, when local governments and stuff like this open up their podium for public comment, they're opening up themselves to have this happen, though, uh, where people will test the, the limits and see, uh, you know, the First Amendment audit and all this kind of stuff. We have a, a, a pending case in, in my hometown here where somebody was just thrown out of a city council meeting uh, by order of the mayor. And uh, he's suing for $250,000. Nice. Um, so, it, but at the same time, a lot of these states, uh, state of Washington, where I'm at, they don't require local elected bodies like city council or, or county commissioners to have a period where they receive public comments. So uh, they could, in theory, just run and uh, conduct their business and then not receive any kind of uh, public comment during that meeting and just wait for you to give them an email or a phone call or whatever. So uh, the the local governments bring it on themselves when they do this. Um, I'm I'm all for democracy and and people speaking up, but, uh, you know, they always throw that that catch-all disorderly conduct thing. Yeah, it is a catch-all. Well, it really is. I'm glad also that that guy you brought up is suing his town and that this guy is. Thank you for the call, Chuck. Um, yeah, the, it, obviously, if, if there's going to be rules, which I don't think that um, other people should tell other people how to, to live their lives, and we should just, you know, learn not to hurt and steal from each other. Um, if there's going to be rules, it's kind of funny that the cops think that they don't have to, you know, abide by the rules like the First Amendment, like this guy was exercising his freedom of speech. Um, unscreen caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Well, we need a plan for what to do on Victory Day when it's the inevitable ultimate triumph of Operation USA Freedom. What? First of all, the enemies of liberty uh, in uh, Congress and in state legislatures need to know what are the immediate demands. What happens on Victory Day? Well, they'll have to open the borders and legalize all drugs and stop collecting school taxes and uh, eliminate all zoning restrictions. Why would we need those people to do that? Why wouldn't we just ignore those people and do what we want, like uh, do trade and um, everything we want with people from other countries and, you know, all that good stuff you mentioned. I don't think we need Congress to do that. We need uh, them to... Uh, tell their goons to back off of people who um, families that are moving into the country, and you need yeah. a plan. Like what happens? What happens if it ha- uh, if victory comes at eleven o'clock in the morning when government-run schools are in session? You know, it would be dangerous. I don't even know what that really uh, means. Why would there be a sudden, all of a sudden, oh, government doesn't exist anymore? But it does. I, I don't know what you mean. Thank you for the call, Tom. Um, I mean, I get what he's talking about. About like, yeah, we should 
it's hard because I don't actually, not that I don't care, but I, I just do whatever I want to do and don't really listen to the government. It just doesn't but make I sense do, what you're I do get the point of like telling the goons to back off, right? Like, oh, well, it, you know, but it, but it's a you know, a pipe dream, right? Like, oh, well, you know, if we pass all these laws what, why, and then, you know, we're going to we're going to have victory. I mean, even that is just a pipe dream in and of itself. I mean, that's what joke. It's a contradiction. But, the government but, have. To- yeah. Well, but I get I get the, I get his point kind of where it's like, OK, well, if we pass all these laws and then to tell the government and their goons to stop attacking people like that would be good if. The government wasn't attacking people or governments across around the world weren't attacking people. Like, that's what they do. I don't see how they're suddenly going to have an incentive to listen to the people. But And this is why I'm saying I'm like, yeah, it would be nice. Like, I get the point because you can't always live your life and not get attacked. I mean, like, we know this. Yeah, um, but you as people who ask have people to just stop attacking you when they, you know, I think that like that's not how abuse works. Yeah. And that's so this is the thing. I This is a, this is a good point. That's not how abuse works. If your husband is abusing you, you can't just be like, oh, the cops said to stop abusing me. The uh, the authorities said that you can't abuse me anymore. No, you have to leave him. You have to go far away. You can't have abusers stop being abusive, right? Same thing with the U.S. government. These people are abusive. You can't reason with terrorists. Yep. You know, it's just like, that's not terrorists. how it works. Well, I want to get into why this guy or how this guy ended up um, winning his lawsuit or maybe the lawsuit's going on. It says um, Newton officials simply do not appear to take criticism well um, because they brought a defamation suit against him, the guy, for publishing the body cam footage of his own arrest, as well as claims he made about the officers on social media. A judge tossed out most of those defamation claims. The right to criticize police, even though vulgarities and rude, I mean, sorry, even through vulgarities and rude gestures, is firmly enshrined in the First Amendment. As Supreme Court Justice William J. Brennan Jr. wrote in 1987 in a ruling striking down a Houston ordinance that made it unlawful to oppose or interrupt a police officer, um, quote, the freedom of individuals verbally to oppose or challenge the police action or to oppose or challenge police action without thereby risking arrest is one of the principal characteristics by which we distinguish a free nation from a police state. Wow. Um, Peterson's lawsuit is seeking compensatory and punitive damages, as well as a judgment declaring Newton's derogatory comments rule unconstitutional. Uh, I thought that they kind of already said that they did that. Well, I guess just a, a, a judgment saying even further, not just that they have to get rid of that rule, but that it's unconstitutional, I guess. Um, by ordering their opponents arrests, arrested, Newton's officials behaved like petty dictators in a banana republic rather than democratically elected leaders in a constitutional republic, Institute for Justice attorney Brian Morris said. Anyone with a high school diploma should know that having your political opponents arrested is a textbook opponent or example of violating someone's First Amendment rights, and we're confident that the courts will agree. Attorneys for the town of Newton did not immediately respond for a request for comments. Of course they didn't, because they're pretty freaking in the wrong here. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, that's the story about the man who was arrested for exercising his um, freedom of speech just because it went against 
um, cops because he spoke out against cops in his town. We also have a story from the Minnesota Reformer, minnesotareformer.com. Small business owners say they're pressured to hire off-duty MPD cops for security. So um, Minneapolis, I think it is, Minneapolis Police Department, says the city is considering challenging a 1997 injunction limiting city control of officers' side security gigs. So I think this means that the city wants to get rid of this law, and when they do, they'll be able to control more people and make them hire off-duty officers for their security gigs, Hmm. which is crazy. I didn't think this was like a thing happening in America, but apparently it is. Not surprised. says, when Maya Santa Maria was opening a Minneapolis club in 2003, a city worker handed her a card from a Minneapolis police officer and said, you're going to work with this guy. To get a business license, a licensing employee told her she had to hire a certain number of off-duty Minneapolis police officers to provide security. Why? Quote, because they're racist and we're Mexican, Santa Maria said. Oh, wow. They didn't want to let Mexicans have nightclubs. That's what she She just like came right out and said it. Right. Like she did not hold back. It says that's her conclusion after seeing other similar sized white owners owned venues escape the same mandate. Weird. So so this isn't a law then? I'm just so confused about what's going on. Um, so basically, maybe it is um, a mandate in the licensing um, area, but they're just letting some people get away with it. So, okay, so her. if you want a license, okay, so they're kind of, because they can kind of pick and choose who they give a license to. Yeah, based legally, on, but not like, Based on hiring right. off-duty police officers, though? I mean, that doesn't sound, if, if it's a mandate and they can point to something. But. Either way, I feel like they would, um, they had, you know, pressured her into this. So let's get into it. It's a really yeah. weird, interesting story. I've yeah, never heard weird. of anything like this. 603-283-6160. You have one more segment to get on the air with us. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Radio that you control. If you want to get in on the conversation in the last segment, 603 283 6160 is the number. 603 283 6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie, Lori, and Nikki. And we were getting into the story right before the last segment ended that is so crazy and weird to me because I have just never heard of a story like this um, or, or a law like this. Well, really, it's an or ordinance i think it said um a mandate a mandate yeah mandate. Uh, for people who are getting a business license they'd have to hire security and it would have to be off-duty minneapolis police officers but it gets worse than just having to hire someone it says um she said that it was because they're racist and she's mexican also i love that she just called him out like that yeah more people need to do that say it like it is speak your truth she said that's her conclusion or sorry, the article said that's her conclusion after seeing other similar sized white owned venues escape the same mandate. 
With over a million dollars invested, Santa Maria had little choice. You got to do what they say, she said. Then MPD socked it to me, she said. They started paying or they started out paying the officers 40 to 45 dollars an hour, always more than one officer per night. Wow. And they didn't just work one or two hours. They charged a minimum of four hours, no matter how many they actually worked, she said. The pay gradually increased to nearly $60 an hour. What? How, like, how does that even happen, though? Like, it's how crazy. can they just dictate what she has to pay them? It's because you would think we're in a free country. So I, I just can't even believe this is happening. Yeah. Um, quote, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, she said. There were many years I wasn't making it and they didn't so this give is a for damn. years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And being a business owner, I mean, it's it's hard being a business owner and there's a lot of expenses and it should be her decision whether she has security or not. And it's like, okay, well, you know, at first I started off, I thought I needed this really good security. So I was paying these guys $60 an hour, um, but I'm not making as much money now. So now I'm going to hire like some random kid that'll do it for 15. You know what I mean? Like as a business owner, you, you should deserve be able to make that decision. Yeah, like, exactly. It shouldn't be like, oh, um, you know, we're, our price is just going to keep increasing and. Oh, um. Sorry, I was um like thinking of what we would um talk about next. Sorry, but we um are going to finish this article here. She says um that she spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, and there were years or t- many years that she wasn't making it. Um, that sounds terrible. Many years, not just like you know a year, and they didn't give a damn. Santa Maria was later required to come up with security plans outlining the number of officers needed per night. The officers insist, so they're also like you know. Requiring her specific um, things she has to do, you know, like with her time as a business owner, which they don't have a lot of time. Um, the officers insisted on getting paid cash, she said. This okay, is that is sketchy. Really that is starting weird. to sound really sketchy now. It sounds like the mafia. Yeah, no kidding. You have yeah. to hire us for your public or yeah. your private security team. Even, even if you don't cops, want to. Even if you don't want to. And you have to pay us a specific amount, no matter how much yeah. we work. In a specific currency. In a specific currency. Cash only. No records. She feared if she didn't oblige, she'd lose her license. Eventually, another officer helped schedule off-duty work. Derek Chauvin. Wow. He worked security at that her club. That sounds familiar. Oh, he's the guy that killed De- George Floyd? He's oh. The guy that, yeah. I was like, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, so... Because okay, that was Minneapolis. It's, yep, it says another officer... Who? Who? The plot thickens. I wonder what that even means, that another officer helped schedule off-duty work. It says he worked security at her club for 17 years. They were in charge, and everybody had to go through them, she said. El Nuevo Rodeo became Minnesota's largest Latino concert venue, and while there were a few brawls, we never were a problem property, Santa Maria said. So it's like they didn't really need this much security, probably. MPD officers would usually sit in their squad cars, fully uniformed, and do crossword puzzles or chat with their girlfriends or spouses. So they're literally—I mean, that's what cops do, anyways. Yeah. You know how many times I've like driven past a cop, and I'm like, oh, he's passed out in his cruiser. Yeah, I saw a cop in such a weird, funny, like hiding place. Like, um, when I don't know, I was with the end, so it, was, it had to be a couple weeks ago before he went to jail for selling Bitcoin, and um, he this cop was like backed up into the forest. Yeah, it, they do. They they get crazy. They'll yeah. So it's funny. like oh my gosh. They but hide yeah, yeah. Because that's how you protect people is by hiding from them. Yeah, I know. With your um, ghost cruisers, yeah, and hiding in the woods. Right. The uh, the black on black decals. Mm-hmm. 
It says sometimes they'd go help MPD with calls, like not even helping her. Um, so she's <laughs> while they're off duty. Um, yeah, while they're off duty and they're being paid by her to protect her club, which she doesn't even want them to do, I guess. Um, That's crazy. So they were gone half the time. They were on my payroll, but they were gone, she said. She sold the club in 2019 when Santa Maria saw Chauvin pinning George Floyd on the pavement in the video that shocked the world. She recognized both because Floyd worked as a bouncer inside the club in 2019. I wondered if this was the same club because I'd always heard that they had worked in the same club at one point. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's really weird. So he was the bouncer inside the club. Was were the cops private security outside, just parked outside? I. That's a great question. I. I would think that they. She said they were parked out in their cruiser doing crossword puzzles and talking to their girlfriends. But if they wanted cops stationed there, shouldn't they just have cops stationed there instead of forcing the business owner to hire an off-duty cop to sit outside? Yeah. No, it makes no sense at all. Um, it says that El Nuevo Rodeo burned to the ground during the subsequent riots. Oh my God, that's terrible. What? Too. Okay, this is like a wild story. Yeah. Minneapolis is quite the place. That's just really terrible that um, this business that this woman, you so know, that's put why... so much money into. Oh, but did she sell it? I thought, did she sell it or? I hadn't seen that she sold it yet. In I, this thought point. You, I thought you said um, she sold it in 2019. Oh, or maybe I was confused. No, it says she recognized both because Floyd worked as a bouncer inside the club in 2019. I might just be imagining things. She got, um, she started the club in 2003. So for, oh, there it is. It says, yes, she she sold the club in 2019. Okay, well. Okay, so I did. I was like, I swear that was, but then I. It's someone's club. Someone owned this club. Exactly. It wasn't their fault that George Floyd died. And somebody burned down this business owner's business because of it. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, Santa Maria's allegations about MPD off-duty work are echoed by the experiences of other business owners documented in government reports and even remarked upon by the city's new police chief, Brian O'Hara. He said the system is ripe for corruption, citing a federal investigation in Jersey City where a dozen cops were arrested due to widespread corruption of off-duty work. The timing is favorable for more rigorous oversight. MPD is soon to be operating under both state and federal supervision following damning investigative reports about racist policing. And O'Hara is a newish outsider who speaks uh, the rhetoric of reform. It kind of doesn't seem like a good um, thing for this, you know, way, way for this to end up like, oh, well, the people of Minneapolis begged for reform of their cops. So what they're going to get is the feds in their city. (laughs) <laughs> I know. Really terrible. Oh gosh. Way worse cops basically. This is <clears throat> this is how cops started was they would kind of force themselves on business yeah. owners as security. Hmm. Also, um going and grabbing slaves, like it's always been a racist institution. It really doesn't surprise me that this woman Yeah, right. Um, that's that's a good point. And it's not surprising that cops are obviously blatantly super racist all the time. I mean, this is that's like what their profession came from yeah exactly like this is you know historically speaking duh it says changes to off-duty policing face a key obstacle however a 1997 court injunction restricts how much the city can manage officers side gigs 
Given the injunction, the city can only seek major reforms via the collective bargaining process, which means if the city wants to change off-duty policies, it would likely have to give up something in return. That's so weird. Like, what kind of place is this? It's saying that it only has so much power to restrict them, but also you have to hire them. Is that yeah, what the th- article says? I, I was really confused about it at the in just the subtitle of this article. I thought that the the city wanted to make it to where more businesses have to hire off-duty co- uh, cops. Now it's saying like, oh, they've kind of seen the error of their ways, but oh, their hands are tied because of this un- injunction. So it's a little weird. It says, here's how the off-duty work program works. Okay. Some businesses like large nightclubs are required by the city to have security, which until 2020... Sometimes had to be off-duty Minneapolis police officers. The city can also require that organizers of large events and businesses plagued with a lot of 911 calls also hire off-duty MPD officers. Businesses may also voluntarily hire off-duty officers for security and traffic control and negotiate pay and hours directly with officers. It's just like terrible that you can't just like hire your friend that lives down the street that um, does security work, you know? You have um, to hire an officer. Well, yeah, because you can't because that's how the mafia works, right? right? You know, it's like you can't. Yeah, good luck doing, you know, having the same business that the mafia is doing, right? Like right. you're not, you know, if they're selling pies, you better not be selling pies because they're going to, you know, they don't come want competition. to your, Yeah, they're going to pay you a visit. It says the city doesn't keep track of how much officers are working or how much they're paid or even have access to the contracts. Well, yeah, because it's in cash. So there's like right, no paper so trails. Weird. Yeah, I'm surprised. That actually is is surprising to me. I wonder Just, if they're paying taxes. They don't have Probably access not. to the contracts, but they force you to hire. Yeah. Interesting. So there has weird. to be something. How do, they, this how do is, they even know that you've done it if they don't have access to the contracts? Yeah. Like this is... This whole thing is so sketchy. sketchy. Right. So sketchy. I mean, like, so many red flags. Off-duty work often pays a lot more, up to hundreds of dollars per hour, than working overtime for MPD. Some officers are still paid in cash, increasing the risk of tax evasion. Um, not that that's really, like, it's not like I believe in taxes, but I yeah. just think it's kind of ironic and funny that they would evade paying taxes, and they probably do, because they insist to oh. be paid in ca- ta- uh, cash. Is it ironic that the law enforcement constantly breaks the law? No. Oh, well, yeah, it's ironic, but it's not surprising. Yeah. And several business owners and Minneapolis officials said some small business owners, particularly those owned by immigrants, have been led to believe that they must hire MPD officers or risk getting ghosted by police. That's exactly like the mafia. Mm-hmm. Yes, like this is what I'm saying. Like this is yeah. like, because, you know, we always draw these lines like, oh, the government's terrorists. And, you know, we always like draw these lines. And sometimes it's not blatantly obvious and we're kind of whatever, like not like People we're making like, oh, it you up. you sound crazy. Yeah, like, like there are certain things we said where it's like, I, I could see how people could disagree with me. This, this is blatant. <laughs> like this is, this is face. so blatantly in your face. Like exactly how the mafia operates. Like there is no question. Anyone who says the, anything different is lying to themselves and just is willingly ignorant. being, yeah, being ignorant. If you don't know what we mean, basically the mafia in like you know nineteen twenties New York City, you would have this. um 
idea of, and it's not like this didn't really happen. I just don't have an exact example, but you would have this idea of them going to business owners being like, oh, it's a nice window. Be a shame if someone broke it. You got to hire me for taking uh, to, you know, for security. And if you don't, someone might break your window type of thing. Like, yeah. Um, that's basically the exact same thing. Like, oh, you have to hire us for security or else like if you call the cops, we might not show up. Right. Yeah. Terrible. Or or we'll revoke your business license or because yep. that seems like what she was really worried about. She invested all this money. I mean, and that's the thing, like going back to like, don't even bother asking for permission because you're just trouble. We've I mean, you're about, you know, that's that gives them all of the leverage over you. We've talked about so many things that make me hate the government today, but Business licenses are so terrible. It's yeah. so ridiculous that you'd have to ask anyone for permission to just run a business. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. that's going to help possibly like thousands of people, definitely your whole community, raise people out of poverty. It's like it being illegal to like donate to charity. Yeah. When you're which which doing sometimes work for it is. Sometimes it is illegal to like feed homeless, feed homeless people yeah. and oh, yeah. yeah, house them sometimes. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. It says it was exactly this arrangement that caught the attention of the U.S. Department of Justice in its 2011 report on the New Orleans Police Department. So they were doing the same thing there. In fact, the MPD off-duty situation has parallels to New Orleans Police Department before the feds arrived. The recent DOJ investigative report about MPD drew only a passing but still condemnatory. I've never had to say that word, so I probably said it wrong. Reference to off-duty jobs. The DOJ was looking for racism. Some business owners of color say, look no further. Um, Bazim Sabri, owner of a Somali mall called Carmel Mall and a Latino mall called Plaza Mexico on Lake Street. Uh, This must be in um, Minneapolis uh, still since it's the Minnesota reformer. Um said he held a Cinco de Mayo party every year for 27 years to encourage people to come to the area and see that it really isn't a war zone. It is a beautiful place. For years, they never had a uh, had police there. And then about a dozen years ago, he said there was a shooting a few blocks away from the event. The city began requiring him to hire off-duty police. Lake Street has been tremendously damaged, and instead of helping us, they're hurting us said Sabri, who once went to prison for bribing a city council member. I wonder why they (laughs) said that randomly. It's kind of weird. Um, The officer rates have skyrocketed, he said. He pays officers $150 to $160 an hour, and a scheduler also charges $15 to $20 an hour. The the guy who I... Yeah, so instead of him doing the scheduling um, that is just extra work that people would be required to do, like that lady who on the club well this guy has to pay a scheduler to do that job despite the big payouts when he calls the police for help they don't always respond sabri said about six weeks ago a man came into his office with a gun and said he was going to shoot someone they called 911 but police never came wow so even if you pay they don't show up yeah great i mean it's definitely not about protecting people no of course not it's about making money, making $158 an hour to, you know, force someone to let you on their property and do crossword puzzles. Yeah. Do crossword puzzles and talk to your Honestly, wife. Honestly, though, I'm, I'm going to be real. I would rather them do crossword puzzles than whatever else they're going to do. Well, if it you know was, what I mean, like, obviously, if you're getting paid for a job, you should at least do that job. If you're supposed to be security, you should act as security. 
But that like it's better than the alternative of them like murdering George Floyd and like raping women and like beating their wives. At least crossword puzzle seems That's, pretty uh tame. Those are in their off time. Oh right, yeah. Vacation well at least time. we're not paying them to do that. <laughs> it's just like this guy could yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> someone could have showed up to stop this guy with a gun. Be a be a really tough guy. You know, their their jobs are so hard, right? Yeah, so they dangerous. Do things like stop a guy who has a gun and is threatening to shoot people. Except they actually don't. That they just don't show up. They're just revenue collectors. Yep. Says an MPD spokesman said, going back to July 1st, all calls we found relating to guns at Carmel Mall did have a police response and none of the calls matched the details um, of Sabri's account. So the MPD spokesman says that he's lying. Jonathan Soto, owner of EME Antro Nightclub at Fifth Avenue and Lake Street, hired MPD officers, including Chauvin, uh, that guy who killed George Floyd, to monitor his parking lot for a couple years, but stopped after Floyd's murder. The officers wanted to be paid in cash and would sometimes leave to respond to police calls, like the other lady said, which benefited the city, he said. The city kind of liked that, Soto said, because they they were literally getting work out of him that this work this business owner was paying for that's crazy the city like kind of like that soto said the fbi interviewed him after floyd was killed asking how much he paid officers that's weird other business owners said the officers don't always respond to problems right under their noses santa maria said the club next to hers was tiny but had to have their own cop who she described as an old guy who would refuse to help anybody from her club. <laughs> After several East African-owned stores on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis were vandalized in September 2019, Capital Cafe owner, that looks like it's a business, um, Abdriaman Awad called his friend KB Brown, owner of a North Minneapolis print shop and a member of the Main Street Alliance of Minnesota, a group of progressive business owners. KB Brown said the detectives were rude and disrespectful to Awad. Awad later said MPD later told him they'd have to pay off-duty officers $145 an hour to provide security. He returned the next night and saw almost no police presence despite the alleged hate crime. In his view, MPD was sending a message that the cafe would only get protection if it hired off-duty officers. It's the same thing. It's Mm -hmm. the mafia um, stuff. So it looks like this um, story does go on. It's pretty long, but I found those stories really interesting. And um, if you want to read the rest of it, it's at minnesotareformer.com. And um, I just thought that that was a really crazy, crazy story. Um, Moving on, though. I was going to bring in this story. It's not really that important or good, um, but I think it's funny. It's Elon Musk to charge new X users $1 a year for basic accounts. So Twitter is now called X. And I don't really like saying it. I just still say Twitter and tweeting. I'm not going to say I think it. everybody does. I Anyone know. that says X is... Try hard. Yeah. You want Elon to love you or something. Something. Um, it says... Musk is going to charge people $1 a year for a basic account. New users in the Philippines and New Zealand are the first to be asked for an annual payment in the latest Why? change to the platform. That's weird to like it's so weird. single them $1. out or whatever. Oh, honestly, yeah, $1. Uh, bye. Like, I'll delete my account. I'm not paying. I'm only new, new users. 
Oh. That, so if you're existing, then you don't have to pay? So that's just like trying to get people to not make account. Like, that yeah. just seems so dumb. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I it's know. always going to be new users, but their trial run for it or whatever in New Zealand and the Philippines um, was just the new users. And it says X, the social media site formerly known as Twitter, has begun charging new users in New Zealand and the Philippines to use the platform's basic features and aims to expand the annual fee to all new users globally. That's just kind of weird. It seems so weird. Like one day I'm going to be able to be like, I am one of the grandfathered in <laughs> Twitter users, I didn't have to pay the dollar. It's so dumb. I'm just weird. Trying to this is just typical me making everything a conspiracy, right? <laughs> but Could I'm just be. trying to figure out like what like really because so many people are very critical of Elon Musk because obviously he's like a really great businessman. I mean, he's like one of the richest men in the world right now, has, you know, several very successful businesses. Um, and then this was the one flop, right? Like he bought bought Twitter just to make a point, right? And now he's losing like millions of dollars on it, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so what was I? I don't believe that someone like Elon Musk would make a mistake like that. You know what I mean? So I want to know, like, what is the real? Like, why did he buy Twitter? Like, are you saying what maybe, is the real? What What is his real motive? Like, is he trying to make Twitter suck now? Because like, it's kind I don't of seems like he's or doing that. Does he? Is it a X. control thing? Hmm. I don't. Because yeah, it's like you're calling it X bad, bad business move. Yeah, making people pay Everyone for it. Twitter. Bad, bad business moves. Like none of the changes he's making are good. So I'm just like, there has to be something else there. I'm just I. There Not like it really matters, other, but there was some other weird stuff he did, like forcing everyone to be um, verified. Um, wait, oh no, you took away all yet. the check marks, right? And then you have to pay you have for to pay them eight now. Bucks for them, you yeah. have to pay for them now. <laughs> and then there was oh, no one can block him. Oh and, wow! Oh yeah, <laughs> no one can block Elon Musk. It's That's just funny. weird. It's like what is like. It's some weird control thing. Like that's he what wants I think, to like, be liked if desperately. Yes, mm. like this is is like his weird like autistic plea at be like my friend. Yeah, something like I don't know. Like there's something, and it might be as simple as that, right? It might be something like really. Yeah, like I don't know. Like what is it? Like I don't. There's. It must be hard to have friends when you're. Yeah, when you're Elon you're, Musk. Yeah, when you don't know if people actually want to be your friend or yeah, they just want money or that's why i'm poor and not famous (laughs) so i have real friends what's weird is under the trial the new users in the philippines and new zealand will have to pay about 75 cents and 85 cents respectively each year to be able to post and engage on x it's just like how does that how is that going to make you any money like i don't don't just fewer people sign up and then they won't see the ads which make you money instead of getting 75 cents from them um, yeah, yeah, ads would make more sense. It doesn't make any sense to me, but um, Free Talk Live will be back tomorrow, 603-283-6160. Save that in your phone. It's been Free Talk Live. Bye. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. 
topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupine Real Estate.com